What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to a Friday edition of Bucky and BK Live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is Friday, August 11th, 20 and 23, and we are loaded, taking you all the way until 10 o'clock. Happy Friday to you and yours. The Buck, what's going on this morning? How you doing? Doing fantastic. Great night of sleep and ready to rock and roll this morning. And good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas. The soldiers in the state of Texas and all those who fight for us each and every day all over this wide, wide world. Thank you so very much for the great job that you do. Thank you uh, to your families for sharing you with us and giving us the opportunity to be where we are each and every day. And that is free. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Very well said, my friend. Happy Friday to everybody tuning in out there. Once again, we've got a lot to talk about today. Our old buddy, Jeff Howe from Horns 24-7, is going to join the program at 9 o'clock to talk about the commitment of Colin Simmons. Plus, we'll get some updates from Texas Fall Camp. Plenty to talk about with Jeff. He's a good buddy of ours. We'll uh, we'll shoot the BS for a little bit, too, coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, so you don't want to miss that. We'll talk a little bit about C.J. Stroud's Texans debut. Not a great night for the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, but reasons for optimism for sure. We'll talk a little bit about what Florida man has done lately, and we are going to have some fun all morning long. And Buck, the big news yesterday afternoon, a little after two o'clock, Texas picking up the commitment from five-star edge rusher Colin Simmons out of Duncanville High School. Once again, we'll speak with Jeff about this at 9, but wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. The number one edge rusher in the country for the class of 2024, the number one player in the state for the class of 2024 at a very premium premium position on the football field. This is a big-time get for Steve Sarkeesian, Pete Kwiatkowski, and company. Yeah, we talked about him yesterday, his ability and his flexibility and his ability to get off and – get to the, you know, as a pass rusher. And by the way, he's pretty good against the run. I mean, he's a devastating uh, outside guy. He really, really is. And the fact that the University of Texas and and Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have pulled out another one, another rabbit out of their hat for sure. I mean, when you beat out LSU after what LSU has uh, on their football team right now, that is a huge get. And to get maybe the number one player, when it's all said and done, obviously generally it's going to be a, quarterback that ends up being the number one player in the nation somewhere but this guy's in the top five players in the nation period at any position so this is a great get for Sarkeesian it's a great get for University of Texas and this may start a little avalanche of of incredible defensive players that'll end up at UT as a matter of fact yeah that is the hope and this guy's got production and potential right that's the combination you're looking for you want a guy who's got the size he's got the frame he's got the skill set that you feel like is going to translate to the next level. But you also want guys who have put up big numbers during their high school careers, and that's exactly what Colin Simmons has done. How about this? He's been district MVP in each of the last two seasons, Buck. And in that time, he's accumulated 34 and a half sacks and 33 TFLs. Last year alone, he broke a school record with 22 and a half sacks, helping Duncanville win a state championship. And that's the thing, too. Like, this guy plays at Duncanville. So he goes up against good talent in the DFW area, but also his school makes deep playoff runs every year. So he goes up against the best teams and the best players in the state, and he has delivered every single time against the best competition. Yeah, and he's been doing it. For, he's been doing it for the last three years. He's a fantastic football player. He sounds like he's a wonderful kid. I don't know much about him as a kid, and we'll get to know a little bit about him as we talk to Jeff Howe today. 
But this is quite the get. This is this is what Texas needed. This is the kind of outside rusher, edge rusher that they've been looking for. Somebody that really can put the pressure on the quarterback, which will help out the secondary, which is going to help out that kind of young linebacker core because that's a position that it seems like everybody's a little bit worried about right now. When you have Marvin Overshone, who is gone and playing for the Dallas Cowboys, you need to replace him. So little edge rusher won't, won't hurt you for sure. And it looks like this is the kind of kid, if you want to move him around, you can because he's got that kind of athletic ability. Yeah, I think he does. 6'3", 225 with room to build on that frame. You could put him in the two-point stance. You could put him in the three-point stance. He looks comfortable. He shows very good ball get-off. He puts a lot of pressure on offensive linemen with the strength, with the speed, and he's got a good assortment of pass rush moves for a guy at his stage of his development. So a lot to like. And, Bucky, there were two things that Colin Simmons really talked about yesterday when he made his decision. One of them is proximity to family. All right, that works. Kid from the state of Texas, just a couple of hours away from Dallas, makes his way down to Austin. That always plays. But number two, you know, Colin Simmons specifically mentioned the move to the SEC, right? And you said it. Now, this is a head-to-head recruiting win. I guess Texas and LSU are always kind of recruiting against each other. But now the fact that they're about to be in the same conference makes it uh, more of a head-to-head type of win. Colin Simmons talked about that. You feel like, hey, a lot of the guys that Texas recruited in the class of 2023 felt the same way, and now you get one of the best players in the country for the class of 2024. The move to the SEC, of course it's going to be tough on the field. We know that, but it's going to pay dividends on the recruiting trail, and it did just now. Yeah, and it will continue to do that against teams like LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, who walk into the state of Texas now thinking that now that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC – that they can walk in, and especially the state of Texas, walk in the state of Texas, which they have been before, they can get these players. Now, this is where Texas has to show its might and get these players. These edge rushers, these run, great running backs in the state of Texas now have to stay at University of Texas. And for Texas A&M, this is a win against Texas A&M, too. Believe me, this group wanted a piece of this kid, too. Everybody in the country wanted a piece of them. So this is not only defeating LSU. You're defeating Texas A&M in, in, the, in the meantime, too. And you have to continue to fight against Texas A&M because each and every year this group has been coming up. Now they haven't shown it on the field, but they've been coming up with fantastic classes over the last three or four years too. They, they haven't shown it on the field, but they've shown it on they've shown it on the sheets where they're in the top five or six uh, recruiting teams in the country. So you got to continue to beat them. Yep, absolutely. And you mentioned it. I mean, Colin Simmons had offers from everywhere. Yeah, uh, the final three: Texas, LSU, and Miami. But you mentioned Georgia. They offered. You mentioned Alabama. You mentioned A&M. Yeah, everybody in the country wanted a piece of this dude. And it's just a commitment. And I was told last night that, hey, Texas just can't stop recruiting Colin Simmons, okay? This is not, you know, one of those deals where he commits and he's closing his recruitment and he's 100% locked in and there's no chance he changes his mind. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and company still have to do their part because all of those schools we just talked about are going to try to keep recruiting. Colin Simmons in hopes that they could change his mind before national signing day. And it's funny, Buck, you get a couple of kids like this every year where he just kind of keeps everything close to the vest. And Colin Simmons himself basically said it yesterday. He's like, I didn't decide until this morning. So I don't think he told the LSU coaches. I don't think he told the Miami coaches. I don't think he told the Texas coaches. I literally think all of us found out at the exact same time. And that's when he made that decision at Duncanville high school yesterday. So this recruitment, I don't want to like pour water on this thing. This recruitment feels like it's it's not over, and Texas has to make sure it takes care of business to get this guy to put pen to paper. Well, generally, you have an inkling about where a kid's going to go probably 24 hours before that, you know, before he actually tells someone. And it sounds like this kid 
made his mind up just at that moment. And that's, that's scary. That means you're going to have to recruit him to the very end. So his name is on the dotted line. That's, and that's, that's, you'll get a couple kids like that per year. I mean, he's not going to be the first, he won't be the last that uh, a, a young, a young kid decides, you know what I mean? I, I want you, but I want you to still love me each and every day. You've got to keep recruiting me. You've got to show me the love. You can't just sit back and not get in contact, get in contact me for a month. You got to, you got to constantly recruit players like this. There are individuals that like to be recruited. He may be one of those guys. And in order to get them, you better keep recruiting them. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just part of the job. That's a part of your job is to keep recruiting him. 100%. And I think Sark's got that figured out because he's been recruiting at an elite level over the Absolutely. last couple of years. And he's done a great job putting this roster together. Obviously, it has to translate to more wins on the field. But how about this, Buck? The highest rated edge rusher for Texas since Jackson Jeffcoat back in 2010, wow. coming out of Plano West. Jeffcoat had a very, very good career at the University of Texas, was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year one time. But it's been that long once again, there's no pen to paper just yet, but still worth getting excited about that the commitment happened. It's been that long since the Longhorns have had this highly touted of a player on the edge coming into campus. Nice to be able to take somebody's word. And if a kid tells you he's coming and he's made a commitment to you, now just hold it to him. You know, just hold it. Just keep his keep his hands to the fire, but keep on loving him. That's all you can do. I mean, you just can't lay back and say, okay, He's coming. He told me he was coming. It's all good. Let's go. We got to get ready for the season. We got to get ready for our, for our summer practices and then forget about that guy. Oh no. You got to be on that phone with him as many times as you can get on the phone with him or get on his email or get on his Twitter or whatever Instagram or whatever he's doing, you know, social media wise, you got to be a part of that. You got to be a part of that. Hello. Good morning. How are hey. you, my friend? What's going on? <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? As a matter of fact, I mean, all those things have to come into play. Yep, the good morning text, oh, the good night yeah. text, the I love you text. You got to be on top of all of those. What is your sure. girlfriend's name? What 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 do we what is it that we can do? What is it that we can do for you to make you even more comfortable? Even though you say you're coming, that, there's got to be something else we can do. What is the NIL deal that we need to start getting in place for you? All of these things. Yeah. That's just a part of it. That's a part of the college scene, the college football scene right now. Would you have been able to do that? Would you have been able to recruit in today's landscape with all of the texting and the constant coddling and all the NIL madness? Would you have been able to make it nowadays? Yeah, I would have adapted cash only. <laughs> cash only, homie. backpack going? No, I got to go see him, but no, no, no. I, I just need cash to go that way. I'm, I, don't, I don't need credit cards to hotel rooms. I want to put my name on cards. I just put cash. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. I mean, yeah, you adapt to it. I mean, that what they are still are they are kids. They look like grown men, but they're kids. And they're, you know, they're susceptible to making decisions and then changing their mind about their decision. It just it just happens that way. So you as the adult, you need to understand you have to keep on top of this stuff. And and it's and it's so much harder now for, for coaches to do that. You got so many different responsibilities because it's not just to that guy. You have to keep recruiting the kids on your own campus now. Yeah. With, with the way the, the transfer portal is, whether it's – I don't care whether it's volleyball. I don't care whether it's women's soccer. It doesn't matter. You constantly have to keep recruiting your own players. And that's different. Before, if they were your players, you had them. It was, it was difficult for them to leave you. It's not difficult anymore. It's not just recruiting the freshman that's coming in. It's recruiting the sophomore that's on your team right now. That dude may say, well, nobody's paying attention to me anymore. I'm gone. You know, and somebody else will take him right out from under you. So 
it's recruiting them all. And basically it's, it, it never ends now. It, recruiting doesn't stop. You know, I, we talked about June and how Sark is doing in June. Well, that thing goes all the way. You better recruit him in October. You better understand what he's doing in his games. You better be able to, to wheel off the stats that he had in any given game. Mm. If he asked you, so what, what did you like about my game? You, as a coach, you better tell him the stats. You better tell him, you know, specific plays that he had during the course of that game. Big sack, big fumble recovery. It's all a part of the game. You have to be, you have to be on your game in order to be on his game. Yeah, that's very well said, Buck. And it's not only that. Like, I think Texas has to play pretty well this year to convince really any recruit, but especially a guy the caliber of Colin Simmons to ultimately put pen to paper and sure. decide that this is the place that he wants to be, right? If Texas has an underwhelming season, then Colin Simmons is liable to say, well, I'm worried about them making the jump to the SEC. Uh, why would I go there? They can't even compete in the Big 12, and all of a sudden we expect them to compete in the SEC? No, I want to play for a contending team I want to compete for conference championships. I want to compete for national championships. I'm not going to go there if they go eight and four in uh, the big 12 in their last year, Texas has to play well. And also, I, I don't know if this matters as much Bucky, but you know, maybe the edge rushers on this Texas team have to take a step. Cause it like Texas is not sending you know, edge rushers to the first round of the NFL draft year in and year out. Like Texas, yeah, this, has this, isn't they, year, this isn't Tony Bracken's first round draft no. for Jacksonville. No. No, 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 no. So like Aaron Terrell and Justice Finkley and, you know, maybe some of the young guys like Basic uh, and Burke. Like, I think maybe the edge rushers in this defensive scheme need to show some things to where Colin Simmons is like, okay, no, like clearly this system works for edge rushers. Clearly my skill set can fit here and clearly I can make an impact with what I bring to the table. I think it's the constant recruiting that you talk about, but also the team's got to look good. And maybe some of the other guys at uh, Colin Simmons position need to play well as well for him to feel 100% confident that this is the right move. Well, and for uh, Krakowski too, they have to continue to get better on all phases of their defense, that defensive line, that secondary, that linebacker area, he wants to be on a defense that can be dominating defense. So they, they can't have a year like they had last year where they took a step forward you can't have a year now where you take a step back. As you said, you have to be in the championship game of the Big 12 in order to continue to impress this kid because he's going to want to know that not only your guys on the outside can play, but your entire defense, that he's not going to be the guy that has to change the fate of your defense. He wants to be, but he wants to also know that you still have players all over this defense that are going to continue to get better. Yep, very well said. Colin Simmons now the top-ranked player in the class for Texas for 2024 jumping blue chip running back Jarrett Gibson for the honor and the addition of Colin Simmons pushes Texas up to the 17th ranked class in the 24 seven sports team rankings. Of course, very, very early on in the recruiting cycle, but uh, a massive addition for Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas coaching staff. A few of you have commented and you're absolutely right. The recruitment is not over, but obviously a great, great sign that uh, in front of a packed gym with eyes of tons of college football fans around the country watching yesterday, Colin Simmons put on the Texas hat and uh, said that he is committed to the University of Texas. So very, very exciting news. Once again, we will speak with Jeff Howe of Horns 24-7 at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, We'll get Jeff's thoughts on the news. We'll also talk plenty more Texas football, get some updates on fall camp as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season week one against rice of course coming your way on september 2nd very much looking forward to that and buck we on this channel on texas sports unfiltered we're working on a couple of things man people keep asking us about pre-game shows and post-game shows oh, yeah. and if we're going to be out amongst the people 
Uh, we're pu- we're putting some things in motion. We're trying to make some stuff happen right here. Yeah, we're not sitting around just kind of doing YouTube. We're we're going to be out there with you people. You know, when you get around for game day and post game and and Monday mornings, uh, we will be right there with you. We're 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 setting our, ourselves in motion. We're we're picking up sponsors left and right. And if you want to become a sponsor, easily to do that. It really is easy to to get on there. And and as I look at this, BK, you know me, I don't know shit from a hole in the ground when it comes to all this stuff but i'm learning i've learned this week i'm looking at this poster board of 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 our of our of our youtube channel and everything that we're doing and it's right there and it stays on 24 7 it just it doesn't disappear this is up this is this is an opportunity if you want to be sponsored by what we're doing you know texas sports unfiltered it stays there you flip it up and it and it's there 24 7 it doesn't it doesn't go away after we after we do a a a commercial we don't then flip it down. It stays up and people can see it all day long on all the shows. Yep. That is the beauty of this thing. And oh, by the way, when we podcast these shows, we don't cut out the commercials too, like they do in radio. Uh, so when people go back and listen and watch what we're doing, they're going to be able to see and hear about your business during every single broadcast. So yeah, if you want to get on board, reach out to me on Twitter, shoot me an email or reach out to the buck. You know, we'll find a way to make it Twitter? happen. Did you say Twitter? Look at you. You're on that Twitter. You're all crap. over the place. That piece of crap, Twitter? Come on, really? Cheese. I know you're on Twitter Come now. Oh, man. Or X.com, as X. Elon Musk calls X. it. Yes. Oh, X.com. How's I your Twitter it. game? Have you uh, have you been tweeting since you got back from Atlanta, or are you, uh, are you taking a couple of days off? I'm taking a couple of days off. I mean, people think I've been salty, and I'm trying to – go to a different flavor. My flavor of salty was, was not good. I had reason to be, but we'll see. I'll, I'll get back. There'll be, there'll be something that'll happen this weekend. A dog will bite me or I'll fall down the steps or something. I'll let yeah. you know what happened during the course of, of this week. But I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get my breath after my 50th class reunion and just trying to high school reunion, just trying to, to get everything together and see if I got all the body parts after all that, that trip and everything else. And, you know, being the spokesperson for, of course, Delta Airlines, I just want to make sure that everybody has safe travels. I know Doc Trey is on his way back with his family from Colorado. Hopefully they're taking, I don't know, covered wagon, Amtrak. I don't know if they're going to get on Delta. But please, Alaska Airlines, please come back. Come back to, to, to don't just travel to Seattle. Get back around this whole entire country well-run organization alaska airlines come on now mm. S- some spokesperson for delta airlines you are you're trying to promote another airline while you're uh, talking about delta come on man trying to get people to have a good time flying and when they don't have a good time have a time that makes them comfortable because you pay a lot of money for air travel these days air travel is about 50 50 uh you know what i'm saying bk 50 50 oh, yeah. you're going to get to a place on time or you're not going to have a hang-up before they just go, they didn't care if there was lightning strikes. They don't care if the man in the moon fell off on the top of the plane. They would just go. Now, can't get enough people. Let's get to work, y'all. Let's go. I'm telling Let's you, man. Work. It's gotten worse over the years too. And you're right. It does feel fifty-fifty if your flight yes. is actually going to take off on time and you're going to land where you're supposed to go with your bags too. Uh, I've had a couple of experiences. Everybody's had a couple of experiences where, hey, you get there, but your bag doesn't, and it's somewhere oh, no. in the middle of nowhere, and you just got to wait for your shit for a couple of days. It's, I have uh, never, I, with, with the exception of 
this past trip, I'd had one other trip where my bag didn't make it. Other than that, after flying all these years, but now it seems like it's it's a part of the game. You may get there, but your bags may not get there. I don't like that deal. Oh, man. You know, I, man I pack a lot of underwear, man. I, I pack a lot of underwear. This trip for from last week was Thursday to actually last until Tuesday. But I had at least a dozen pair of underwear. My wife can't quite figure that out. Why do you need so many underwear? You always have to have clean underwear available to you. And no, I'm not soiling my underwear. I'm not peeing in my <laughs> pants or any of that stuff. I just like clean undies. I just, you know what I'm saying? I don't, it's not that I get up in the morning. I'll change underwear at least once a day. I, I just, I feel the need for speed. You know what I'm saying? I just well, changing, changing it once a day is one thing, but you brought 12 pairs of underwear to a trip that was supposed to last four days. Yes. Just we're talking about. You were talking about having a Lowe's bucket to pee in yesterday, so I am worried <laughs> that you actually are soiling yourself a little no, bit. No, man, no. you got to have that. Underwear uh, and socks, that's me. When I travel, I have to have all of those things. I'm an overpacker. I've never been an underpacker. I just don't. I pack, like, I pack as if I'm going to be on Delta Airlines and I'm going to be somewhere and get <laughs> stuck for days on, upon end. I didn't know I was going to live in the airport, but... I always pack like I'm going to get stuck somewhere. You just have to. You think uh, this woman from yesterday brought extra pair of underwear? I don't think she cared. I don't think she, I, she better have brought extra dress or maybe she had that thing hiked up because she really just didn't care. Now that's, uh-uh. that's, that's love for a machine. That means I'm not leaving this machine no matter what. This is my machine, and you're not going to sit on this seat for sure, lady. I'm not uh, sitting there. Man. Oh, that's gross. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> so gross. Uh, I've never been that desperate to sit at a machine in the casino. I've never been that desperate in my life to do what, uh, what she did right there. Tell me what you saw from C.J. Stroud last night. I, You know, all yeah. the things we had talked about the day before, BK, I thought I still saw him standing tall in the pocket. The one interception he had last night. I thought really that was, you know, you had talked about this guy had better receivers in college than he has right now, and that's true. And this was a this was a case of a, a young guy trying to put a ball in a spot that, as he said, I should have just dumped it down. That's a check down. It's a check down all the way. I don't know if he just wanted to show off his arm, but it didn't work. But he said these are just this is a learning experience for him that I'll just take the dump off and let the guy run with the ball for eight to nine yards instead of trying to put it in a spot where somebody's going to pick it off. Yeah, it's a learning experience. I, I just thought all these are, are great experiences for him right now. That's why they have the preseason. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a third and 21. And CJ Stroud just wanted to pick up the first down. You get it right. You're trying to impress people in your NFL debut. Sure. You want to make the big splash play to keep the drive going. And then hopefully it ultimately turns into points. But uh, yeah, he took a risk that he didn't need to take. And, hey, the check down, you pick up 5, 10 yards, whatever. You punt the football, you right. live to see another day. That's much better than throwing an interception and letting the Patriots start a drive inside your 25-yard line. So, Well, that doesn't, make your, that doesn't make your coach, who's a defensive coach, very happy to turn that ball over and put the defense in that kind of situation. He said that himself. He said, I can't. It's not just this ball belongs to everyone. It doesn't belong to this offense. It belongs to everyone, and it belongs to the defense, too, and I put them in a really bad position. And that's something that he'll learn. And that's that's a part of it. And I, I don't I don't know if he'd have it any other way. I know he'd like to have been perfect last night, but that's not gonna happen. It's never it's not gonna happen in his debut for a young 
rookie quarterback, you know, having things work out, you know, to perfection. That's just learning. And that's, that's a good learning lesson for him last night. Yeah. And it's not going to happen in the preseason and it's not going to happen in the regular season, right? It's not going to be smooth sailing for all games for CJ Stroud. He's going to make those types of mistakes in the games that count. And obviously you hope that he can learn from that experience, right? Like last night, you could argue it was a bad decision. I think the more egregious part of the throw was the fact that he was just staring down Tank Dell the entire oh, yeah. time, right? Like that—that that was the big problem. Like, okay, you know, if you scan the field, if you're if you're trying to manipulate defenders with your eyes, if you're going through your reads, and then you make the decision to throw it, hey, maybe it would have worked. But man, NFL players not only are they bigger, faster, and stronger than college players, they're also way smarter, Buck. Yeah, and you're they, down. You're right. They see you staring down a receiver for a couple of seconds, then hey, they're gonna start staring you down, and they're gonna start moving around to get where they need to get to uh, make a play on the ball when you throw it that way. So yeah, that's what happened. Like CJ Stroud just locked eyes with Tank Dell. He basically told the world that he was going that way, and he by did. the time he threw it, the defender Jalen Mills was right there to make the easy interception. So yeah, and uh, CJ, like part of the learning. CJ, yeah, CJ needs to understand that they're they're not gonna play. There's starters on the offensive line. There are three starters that didn't play in that game. He got he had pressure, you know, 50, 60 percent of the time last night when he went to drop back. Well, well, CJ, guess what? They're not playing all of their starters on the offensive line right now just because it's you. They're just not going to. So you need that he needed to understand. I don't think he understood that. I thought he thought because, you know, I've got these wonderful guys playing for me at Ohio State that were going to protect me. He needed to understand he's got guys trying to make the club now trying to protect him and he's going to get pressured. So he's going to have to get rid of that ball a little bit sooner than maybe, you know, game four when everybody's, you know, when, when Tunsil is playing and the rest of these guys are out there, he doesn't have to worry as much, but he got pressure last night too. And that's to be expected too. The first team's not going to play. Yep, exactly. Yeah. He looked uncomfortable at times. And I think most of that had to do with the offensive line, just not being at 100%, right? You said it three starters were out. Laramie Tunsil, who's one of the best left tackles in football. Titus Howard, the starting right tackle. And then Shaq Mason, the guard that they got in a trade this offseason, who's had a very good NFL career. Uh, Yeah, all three of those guys are better than the guys the Texans were trotting out there last night. So uh, Stroud will have more time moving forward and maybe in preseason game number two. Because, you know, Buck, back in the day, back in the day, when there were four preseason games, it was like that third, that third week of the preseason. That's where the starters played for at least a couple of series, if not a quarter to a half. Nowadays, because there's only three preseason games, it's usually week two where you see those starters get the reps. So next week, I think will more resemble the normal Texans offensive line, the normal complement of weapons. Maybe Damian Pierce, the running back, will uh will actually get to play a little bit. And that's where you hope to see more from CJ Stroud. But yeah, he looked he looked uncomfortable, man. You're right. He was running for his life but the sack that he took wasn't great. Probably needs to get rid of the ball in that situation. Obviously, the interception sucked. And I was a little frustrated. Like, the plan all along, I guess, was for C.J. Stroud to play two series. But yes. I, was, I was really hoping he was going to get, you know, an opportunity to bounce back right after that interception. I, him- I agree with you. I thought that, yeah. that, that D'Amico would say, let's get him in there to get some real positive things happening to him, whether we run little swing screens or something, dump it off, get him some completions. But no, they just went big league on him and said, hey, sorry, you didn't have – you were in there for two series. You needed to play a little bit better. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me is this is that, – that group from the Patriots, wow. Oh. Man. Not great, Bob. No. Yeah. No, I mean, man. Hey, that is – that Bill Belichick is – people think he's not on the hot seat. I believe he is in New England. I think Robert, wow. Kraft, Robert Kraft wants to win. He's used to winning. 
he's not used to this. And for Bill Belichick, this this is if he doesn't get the season that Robert Kraft is looking for, and I'm not saying Super Bowl, but if he doesn't get into the playoffs, I don't think Robert Kraft is going to stand for having a guy who's won seven Super Bowls continue to be his head coach. I don't think he's going to be very happy with that. Wow. So you think if the Patriots miss the playoffs this year, Bill Belichick is gone? I think Bill Belichick himself may say I'm out, but Robert Kraft may put a little bit of pressure on him too, to the point where Bill Belichick looks at him and says, hey, listen, do you know how many Super Bowls I've won here? And Robert Kraft may say, you know how many paychecks I've paid here? <laughs> I can't keep paying for this, 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 what it looked. They're not used to it. They're just, yeah. they're just not. I, I didn't like the way their team looked last night. Now, for the Texans with a young quarterback, that's, that's exactly, and a young new head coach, I kind of saw what I thought I was going to see from them. But yep. they've got, tell me about Tank Dell. Now, you've seen him because down in the Houston area, how good is he? I, I, he? He impressed me last night. Well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to my cousin for catching yeah. on Texans minus three. Preseason football bets. Wow. I like that. Yeah, that's the degenerate stuff you're going to get right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Man. That's what we do. Also, Little League World Series, if you need a guy, I'm your guy. What? You've got that down too? <laughs> I got that down too. Little League baseball, Little League softball, it does not matter. I'll, uh, we might have to make a segment with picks for that thing coming My up next goodness. week. Yeah, we're all over the place right now. But uh, no, I just I figured, my cousin figured. That sure. D'Amico Ryan's coaching debut, he's going to care. He wants to he, set he a would, tone. He would care, yes. He wants to build a culture there in Houston. Bill Belichick in his 80th year, he doesn't give a shit, man. No, like, no. The preseason doesn't matter at all to him. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, Tank Dell. The, the only question with Tank Dell is his size. Like, he, he put up ridiculous numbers at Houston. You could argue he was the most productive receiver in college football over the last three years. Yep. He's a phenomenal returner, too. Kick returner, punt returner, that guy, just every time he has the ball in his hands, he made things happen seemingly during his college career. But he's just like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, like a buck sixty. He's tiny. But he looked he was, like a pro last night. I'm telling you, man. Like, he was the most productive player on the field last night. Five catches, 65 yards, had that acrobatic touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. Like he, uh, I know it's preseason and the Patriots weren't playing all of their best players on defense, but no, this dude is, uh, he's been a matchup nightmare everywhere he's been. And I, you know, I don't think he's going to be a number one receiver or anything like that. I'm not saying he's like the second coming of, of a Cooper cup in the slot or anything like that. But uh, no, I, th I think he's going to find ways to make plays and, and the Texans wide receiver room buck just isn't that good. So it feels no. like he's going to have a chance to get some playing time pretty early. Absolutely. He'll, he will have an opportunity for sure to get in there and play. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to watching him. I mean, I watched him in college at Houston. And as you said, he's just like a little mighty mite. But I didn't know he'd jump to that next level and look like a pro immediately. He looked like he was very comfortable last night yeah, running routes and making catches. And that's all I can ask for a guy. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Catch the ball, please. Yeah, he was doing that. So uh, the Texans get the win. But, uh, you know, most guys were locked on C.J. Stroud. Not the best debut for him, but, hey, only had two series. Preseason game number one. I don't think anybody should be closing the book oh, no. on, uh, on C.J. Stroud. I will say this, though, Buck. You know, the Texans won their last game of the season when they were supposed to lose, and that cost them the number one overall pick and maybe the chance to draft Bryce Young. Uh, if Bryce Young goes out there in his preseason debut for the Panthers coming up, I think that game is tomorrow against the Jets then people around here in Houston are going to be freaking out a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, they will. Oh, shit. We, Where we, is Lovey? They're going to go, where's Lovey at? They'll be <laughs> looking for Lovey Smith. That's what they'll be looking for.
Yes, yes, they will. All right, let's uh, let's let's tell some people about our great sponsors, Buck. We'll start with Audio Visual Consultations. I know they've come out to your place and hooked you up. Yes, they, they me have up as well. They do some great work, don't they? Yeah, they do. Tom McKay and his group are fantastic. They have everything you need for the entertainment system of your dreams, and that way you don't have to shop for the TV. You don't have to go look around for the surround sounds. You don't have to get all the mounts because Tom and his guys will come to your home and they'll get it done for you. Audiovisual Consultation is one of the largest dealers of most television and audio brands. And they have all the hottest items in stock, all those Sonos equipments. They've got all of that stuff and they've got in stock and they're not raising prices. A lot of people are raising prices on you. They're jacking up the prices. Tom McKay and his group at Audiovisual Consultations, they will not do that. You're going to love them. Give them a call today at 512 512- 255-8678 or catch him online at abconsultations.com. Love Tom and his group. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah, I'm going to have to hit up Tom pretty soon once I get back up to Austin. I'm going to need that four TV setup again at my uh, new place up there. Are you not ready for just one TV with all the little units in the corners? Because don't we, where, where does the NFL Sunday ticket on now? It's on YouTube, is it not? YouTube, YouTube TV. TV. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can, can you not do it all in one? You've got to have that. You need separation like that don't you yeah well it's more for college football on saturday when you've got like a hundred games going on and i uh, they're all starting at the same time so i gotta make sure i'm locked into every game every saturday you and your cousin need to be locked in huh that's what we do that is what we do give some love to our friends over at the altstat brewery altstat beer it's my favorite beer all across the state of texas i've been drinking it a ton in houston over the last couple of years and of course when i move back up to austin i will continue to be drinking a ton of Altstad beer. They've got so many different brews as well. The lager, the Kolsch, those are their two flagship beers, but they've got so much more than that. It's summertime. If you're trying to drink a great light beer so you can sacrifice on the calories, but you don't want to give up the taste, the Altstad light is the beer for you. They've got the Altstad peach Rattler as well. That's their seasonal right now. Juice from Fredericksburg peaches thrown in to the Altstad lager makes for an incredibly refreshing drink that is super easy to drink here in the summer. So yeah, go to H-E-B, Specs, Twin Liquors, Total Wine, wherever you buy your beer, pick up a six-pack of Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. Got to find out if Altstadt is uh, at 34 Wine and Spirits. Ricky and AJ would love that, I got to believe. So I got to find out if they're carrying that brand, as a matter of fact. I got to check that out. I'm excited about uh, where I'm potentially moving in Austin, pretty close to 34 wine and spirits. Yes, you are. I'll be out there supporting AJ and Ricky. No question about that. All right, Buck, we've got, uh, we've got Florida man in the news again. And th- th- this one sucks. Like part of me. Okay. Do you, do you, <laughs> you do gotta you be the, happy for him. Uh, I can't be happy for him. I can't remember. Do you play the lottery at all? I do. I've been playing a lottery since I was 18 years old in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm all about the educating the children. And in the state of Texas, the lottery goes to educate these dadgum kids. And that's what I do. I'm helping the education system in the state of Texas. That's yes. what I do. Yes, that's the only reason you play right there. And you've always been about trying to get people through school. You did that at the Yellow Rose for a number of hey, years. Yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> had to pay for that education. Come on. Uh, your scholarship fund. Uh, that's right. You still, you still have a picture of you on the wall out there? Hall of Fame. I won't be using <laughs> the porta potties there. I get to come inside and use the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, I hope so. I hope they let you in because uh, we know your high school did not no. this past weekend. So the uh, the Mega Millions ticket finally hit $1.58 billion jackpot, the third largest in U.S. history. 
and it goes to Florida man, ending weeks of anticipation of who was going to win the eye-popping prize. The ticket was purchased at a local Publix out there in Florida. I wonder if Jameis Winston was stealing any crab legs oh. while, uh, while this was going on. But how about that, Buck? 1.56 bill. Did you buy a ticket for uh, for this Mega Millions? I've been buying a ticket for this over the last eight weeks for this particular oh. drawing, yes. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would love to hit the lottery. I'd love to help out a lot of people. It's going to help me, but first of all, I'd like to help out a lot of other people first. I don't yeah. know what Florida man, Florida man's probably going to buy six more gators. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a couple more reptiles, some more boas, you know, to go in his backyard in the cages. But I would, I would be, I, I truly BK would be about trying to help some people, I, especially people that don't have homes, nowhere to go. I'm watching people on the streets in Austin, Texas, and, and everywhere now, even in my hometown in Pennsylvania, I'm watching people who don't have a place to live, don't have a roof over their heads. Been very fortunate myself. You have too. But I would do everything in my power with that money to buy land, help them out, give them, a, not only just give it to them, but help them earn it. I don't care if they have, if they have to build their own gardens, if they have to, if they, if they have to have their own educational system, whatever it is, I would, that would be part of my money. That that's a big part of my money because you oh, yeah. can't take it. You can't take it when you're gone. You can't take right. it with you. Some people think that's going with them. It is not going with you. It's going to yep. be done. You only need so much money. You know, I know Doc Trey likes to take his trips to Colorado. He'll be taking his family to Hawaii probably next. He <laughs> loves those, those trips like that. I just go on those trips to see old people back, you know, 50, 50 year, but I'm not taking trips. I'm not going to Pebble beach and all that. Now, I will be taking some some golf vacations because this show, like every other show that I've ever done, you know, I'm going to need some load management days here. What? And it's coming soon. Coming I mean, soon. In my second week, I'm going to need load management here. Dude, you missed the first two days this week. You've only worked three days on this channel so far. You're talking about load management already. Sixty-eight-year-old man needs load management. I'm not. This is not. I was going through airports like O.J. Simpson back in the day, jumping over seats. I don't. I need. I need to get back. I got my workout in today, so I was so excited. Walked the dog. Got a good workout in. A good forty-five minutes of working out. You know, I'm not as felt as I used to be, but I got to make sure that I get up these eighteen stairs up and oh. down every day. Yeah. It's a tough commute, Buck. 18 stairs versus driving 40 minutes into town like you were doing. That's and uh, sure. I mean, there were people telling me that I should have fired you because you missed what? your first day of work. And then you followed it up by missing your second day of work. And everyone's like, you got to get rid of this guy. Wait a minute. Like, do, the, no. do, the, do the Lakers fire LeBron? I mean, was Kobe fired because he needed a day off? This is it's load management. This is a tough business. You have to be right on with it. I mean, sponsors want you bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. You know, they want to smile. My sister said to me, she said, you know what? You looked a little tired yesterday. I said, well, do you know how hard I had to work the last two days on this broadcast? It's not that simple. Entertainment is not that easy. The people want to be entertained. Well, they want me at my best, so they don't mind me going out to Boot Ranch and the Hills of Lakeway and some of these wonderful golf places. That makes me comfortable. And I'm not going to take off when I win that money. Do you hear what I'm doing with the money? I'm helping out others. The education of our young kids. That's what I'm about. Someone's calling you Kawhi Leonard Sr. <laughs> oh, God. Come on, Kawhi. 
Oh my God. Load management, man. Yes. We, we, have, we have cut your commute down 100%. We have cut your hours down 50%. And here you are week one, day three, after you already missed two days talking about needing some more days off. My goodness. I thought you never missed a day in your life. Wasn't that your bit at the old place? You never the old took place, days off? Yeah. I, I mean, I never missed it. The only thing that got me down was that COVID madness. Mm. And hell, when I was there, they didn't even know. They didn't even care I had COVID. They didn't even care that I had COVID. I was sick working from home. The damn doctor had to say, hey, Buck, do us a favor. You need to get yourself off of that radio. Take a break for a week. But you know what my bosses did? Do you think they said anything? How do you feel, Buck? Uh, no. Get your ass on that radio. We need to have you out there talking. They didn't care about my health. Do you think they care about my health? No, they didn't. So mm. if there's anybody who's going to take care of me, you know who it is? Me. And my wonderful wife, Joyce, we're going to be the people that are going to take care of me. The rest of you, you don't care. I, so I'm just looking for a couple of load management days here over the next couple of weeks. That's all. You've got 47,000 people. And we are going to build this staff. This staff is going to be built of primetime yep. players. That's what I believe. This will be, you think primetime is back in Colorado. We will have primetime players on this channel just for you people out there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We're going to, we're going to be very informative and not only just Texas football, Texas, the NFL, the NBA, you name it. Yep. Your, your Astros, are they, are they back on top or are they back in the pack now? Still second place. They lost yesterday, so they're two and a half games back behind the Rangers right now. The Birds got them again? Uh, oh, that was only the first game they won in the series. The Astros won the first two. The Orioles won the last one. So wow. still a successful trip. The Birds are good this year, man. They've got the yeah. best record in the AL. Yeah, They're taking that, your Yankees to school. That group is no good. You, you, okay, almost. Oh, yeah, almost the middle of August. Let's Another two weeks or so, watch those guys start flapping around like they got shot with a BB gun, the Orioles. Watch the, watch those. Watch that group flounder. They will. Uh, they are not going anywhere. But, my but Yankees the BB's back in the box. My Yankees will be back once Booney gets fired. Everything's going to. That won't be till the end of the season, though. No, no, it won't be. So let me ask you this, Buck. You talked about what you would do with some of your lottery winnings, and you're a great guy. I believe you. You've helped out so many people over the years. I know you'd spend a ton of your money and your time trying to do whatever you can to help out people all across this great country. But what's the first thing, man? You win all of that money. You're taking home. I know that guy isn't taking home the $1.6 billion because of taxes and all of that, but you're taking home whatever the winnings are. Right. That Mega Millions jackpot. Your ticket hit, and you're getting all that cash. What is the first thing you are buying with your newfound cash? Well, the first thing I'm doing is that prenup is about to happen. <laughs> you know, the one that I couldn't afford to have before? That prenup's about to happen. Oh, this is yours, <laughs> and this is mine. You, just, you literally just said two minutes ago that the only people who are looking out for you are you and your beautiful wife, Joyce, and now you're saying it's time for a prenup? Well, what's, I'm taking care of her. I don't want her to, to not have anything, so we need to get a prenup going. That's all. Once we get that, she'll be, believe me, with that $1.5 billion, everybody's going to be fine. The first thing I do is find out how my family back in Pennsylvania is doing, how my wife's family in Idaho, how they're doing. And then from that point on, it's all about helping somebody. I, I truly would, would take a few incredible golfing trips that in my life never thought, never been to Augusta, well, that doesn't mean that will buy me into Augusta, but never been to Pebble Beach. I like to go to some of the great golf courses and take 
all the Texas cheaters, gather them in a private plane and just go with my friends golfing. And then from that point on, just be that regular old life, being on YouTube with you guys in our brand in our brand new studios. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's now. exactly what we'd be doing. Hold on now. Okay, yeah. Up, I'm not going up 18 flights of stairs after if I would hit 1.5 billion. I will have an elevator or you know what? You know what people are telling me, old man, why don't you just get one of those silly little chairs that comes up the side of the steps? I'm not ever doing that. Y'all need to understand that. I'll get a slide before I do that. You know where I slide down or I'll get a pole, like a, like a fireman's pole or the pole at the yellow rose. But I'm not, I'm not putting a chair on the side of my stairs and sitting down in it and going up. Do people really do that? Yeah, you're gonna get. No, they don't. You're gonna get a stripper pole in your house to get up. How are you gonna get up the stairs, dude? I'm I'm gonna get one that has a little thing where you put your feet on and it takes you back up, and then I'll slide down. But I'm not getting a chair. I'm not getting grandma's chair. What was that movie that I saw that the thing went up and down? Those little furry creatures that you pour water on they kept multiplying. That that. I'm oh, not the doing gremlins or whatever. Yeah, the gremlins. Yeah, where the where they they took the old lady's chair and kept going up and down. I'm not going to do that. I, I refuse to do. If somebody, if there was if there was a, a company that says Bucky, here's what we're going to do, just for your advertisement, we're going to put one of those in your house. I wouldn't do it. That that's weird looking. That that yeah, looks no. that that means that you are older than old. If that's so, what you have to do. Oh my now, if god. There's a, if there's an elevator company out there that's thinking about it, I can't put a little small elevator. I got a spot back there for an elevator. There you go. Okay. Because, because eventually these are 18 steep steps. Yeah. You, you said, you said it was 18 flights of stairs a minute oh, ago. No, no, it's 18 stairs, not yes, 18 eight, flights no, of stairs. No, it's 18 steps up, 18 down. And it's the down part that I worry about going up is not that bad, but it's one of these times going down that I'm worried about. Cause at the end of that thing is a table that's got my face on it. My face print waiting to happen right there. So, no, I would take care of people. That I, I, Florida man's not going to take care of anybody. Florida man's going to go spend it on quaaludes and and cocaine. I mean, seriously, and boa constrictors and alligators. That's that's what Florida man does. That's exactly and what he's going to do with that money. You see this comment? Have you oh, had the boy. flu yet? I have not had the flu. Remember, I'll. I just all I have to do is say I'll never have the flu. I have not had the flu. I've had COVID twice, but I have never ever had the flu. Oh man. But no, I'm not gonna get one of those life alerts. I've been told that for years. <laughs> get yourself a life alert when you go outside. No. When you uh when you turn 70, I'm getting you that for your birthday. Yeah, I 70s that becomes a different world. I move up in the tea box then forever and I don't get any strokes anymore, but I actually will move up to the front tees when I'm 70. I can't believe but, you haven't done that yet. No, they, they've been trying to. I just give them my money. <laughs> I just give them the money, you know, after the rounds of golf. But I'm not, I have not, I said I will move up when I'm 70. I've made that, that my promise to myself, but I'm not ready to move up. So I struggle and shoot 106, mm-hmm. you know, from the middle tee boxes and every place else. I mean, I have absolutely no fun playing golf except you're- for here. Here's my money. Here's my wallet at the end of the day. Yeah, but you're, uh, worse than, you're worse than I am now on the course. That's bad. Oh no, I'm 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 a I'm the '90s guy. I'm not 70 years old yet, but I'm the '90s player. Mm. But it's hot, man. It's hot here in Austin, Texas. It's stinking hot. You can't get out there and take in deep breaths. I mean, it'll burn the hairs in your nose out here now. 
Yeah, just, you guys, you guys play in the middle of the day too, right? Like when I when I, I was playing down here in Houston before we started this, I was waking up at you know six seven in the morning and getting out on the course by like seven thirty to where my round was done by the time we got to noon. Like I was not, it was already hot on the back wow. nine. But you guys playing in the afternoons, y'all are crazy right now. Well, I, it's I love exactly what this is right now. What we're doing eight to ten is a beautiful thing because it still gets me out there that around that same time. Yeah. Separate ain't six to ten, if you That's if true. you know what I mean. That is true. All right, and but my, and it, the good thing about this deal is, in my house, I know I paid the rent. My doors will be open, so I know I can get up the stairs. I don't have to worry about oh, was the rent paid? Is it on layaway? This no, no, no. This is a good thing. Life is good. Very Life good. is very, very good. Yeah, I got to hear you complain about a two-story nice-ass house while I'm about to move into a thousand-square-foot apartment. So, you know. No, this is this is this is your stretch for you that you're going to meet that special someone's about to happen to you over the next couple of years, and your time is coming. Plenty, plenty of special heifers up there, man. (laughs) Yeah, yes, (laughs) yes, there is. Wow, about that. All right, Uh, Jeff Howe from Horns Twenty Four Seven will be joining us a little after the top of the hour. But Buck, before we talk about Quinn Ewers, we got some Texas football. Quinn Ewers met with the media earlier this week. There's an interesting cut I want to play you because I want to get your thoughts on QB1 at Texas. Before that, I'd love for you to tell the people about the great chair you are sitting in and the great people over at Relax the Back. I love them. Nothing gave me the comfort that my back needed. And believe me, I've looked everywhere, I mean, for years and years, about finding how comfortable I can get because I knew I was going to take this ass and sit it in a chair. And right now, for the last 20 years, I've discovered the folks at Relax the Back live pain-free for sure. They embrace that holistic approach for a healthier lifestyle based in 35 years of proven expertise. And folks, you will never feel better about a chair, whether it's in your office or your home office or if just around your home, uh, watching your big screen TV. You're going to love all the wonderful chairs they have at Relax the Back. You can transform your routine, transform your life, and make a great savings on your body by going to the Relax the Back store. Heal and recover, work smarter, sleep reimagine and live pain-free now they're located in bee caves at the hill country galleria across from the whole foods and in austin at the gateway shopping center across from the container store live like the bug pain-free with relax the back yes sir Love it. shout out to our guy ashish at yeah, 7-eleven down south on monterey oaks go say what's up to him and just go to 7-eleven they are your go-to convenience store for snacks hot and cold drinks gas and so much more that are the place to go to get you through these hot summer months and they even have the austin american statesman for the buck that's right sports is still on hardcore paper folks don't just think you can just go to your little computer hit do it help out the austin american statesman by buying yeah we're killing trees but we're looking at hard print and there's nothing wrong with hard print although it's two days later uh, I love how you say out. we. No, no, nobody else is. It's just you who are looking oh. at the hard print right now, Buck. But uh, prayers to Ashish. He, uh, he told us his father-in-law was going through a tough time right now, so I wanted to send yeah. him a prayer and uh, his family one as well. But, yeah, go to any 7-Eleven, but definitely check out the 7-Eleven on Monterey Oaks in South Austin. Say what's up to our guy Ashish. He's a big listener of Texas Sports Unfiltered, big Longhorn fan, and he will take care of you every time you walk into the store. And I walked, right, I used to walk into that bad boy at four o'clock in the morning. And they were, they were you're talking about people with a smile on their face. 
ready to greet you. I get yeah. my, my, my hydrate drinks. I get my newspaper and I'd be on my way, got my gas. And I love them. I love the attitudes of the people that worked at 7-Eleven. Really do. Go. Yep. They've got the coffee. They've got the Slurpees. They've got the big gulp. They've got the nachos. They've got the pizza. You were telling us yesterday. You were good. They're coming back. They got, they, they got the, the original is back now. So look out. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay, Bucky, let's hear from Quinn Ewers. He uh, met with the local media earlier this week, and he was asked about his personal growth and kind of how he views the quarterback position. Take a listen. Coming into to, you know, this you know, prideful um, university um, and, and you know, what they expect and you know, me being the perfectionist that I, that I am, it definitely was hard sometimes. Went through some adversity for sure, but I think I learned a whole lot last year about, you know, not only this team, but, you know, about myself, um, which ultimately I, I believe will only help me in the long run. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier, um, especially whenever you're filling into kind of a leadership role. You know, people will look at you a little differently whenever you're telling them what to do and, and whatnot. And it, it's cool, honestly. You know, football is a cool game. Um, you know, I kind of like to call it the quarterback. You, like, at quarterback, kind of feel like, you know, I'm playing like a more maybe violent, you know, more active chess kind of. So, you know, I'm trying to trying to beat the defense with, with certain moves. How about that? Quinn Ewers comparing the quarterback position to a game of chess, talking about the mental aspect. And obviously there is a huge mental aspect that goes into playing that position. What would you take from uh, Quinn Ewers' comments there? Once again, he just like a, looks like a more competent young man about him. He looks like whatever you want to put on his shoulders – let it be. Uh, it just was too much for him last year. I mean, you have to build that confidence. You have to build that rapport with your teammates and your coaches have got to believe in what they're coaching you. You can get it done. I don't know if they were just peeing in the wind last year thinking maybe he can get it done. Maybe we're smart enough and maybe his, his just his throwing ability will do it. Well, there's a lot that goes into it just more than being a thrower. You got to be a thinker. You got to understand what the game is all about. You got to understand what the real purpose of each and every play that's called, what it, what what is it what does it mean? It's give and take. I mean, if they take it away, what are they going to give? If they take away something, they're going to give you something else. So how, what, how do you get to that point of where you get to the part that they give to you? Is it the check down? Is it the eight-yard pass? Or is it the 40-yard throw that you throw into coverage? It looks like he understands what they're, what they're giving to him now and what his coaches are expecting of him and his teammates. He's got a responsibility on his shoulders, and he looks like he's ready to carry that responsibility. You know, he's yeah, got that, that buzz cut, that damn haircut of his right now. Wow. Bring back. Barely recognize him. I know. Almost bring back those locks. What is that thing going on? <laughs> oh, man. I know he cut his hair months ago, but it's still taking me some time to get used to it, right? It's a completely different look from what we saw from Quinn Ewers a year ago. But, hey, maybe he's uh, telling you that he's all business now. He's no more just business in the front party in the back. He's going all business with the buzz cut right now. Yes. He's got that military look, you know, that real serious clean cut look. He does that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That buzz look is military style looking stuff. I mean, he is. He he just talks with a different, a different purpose. He's still a young guy. He's still going to have some mistakes. There's there's no doubt about it. You know his. But he's taking care of his body. He's not that pudgy kid running around looking like, like somebody's dad. Somebody's you know 55 year old dad out there playing the quarterback position. He looks in shape, but he looks like he's in mental shape, which is is going to be a good thing for this football team. And he's just going to have to get it done on the field because there won't be a lot of, well, maybe the following year, well, maybe at the end of the season. He's got to come out from the beginning of the season all the way through the championship game 
and let everybody know that this is a good – because I this guy wants to leave this place. He don't want to stick around here for another year. He wants to be out of here and playing in the NFL. He wants to be one of those top draft picks when it comes to the quarterback position. And physically, he has the tools now that his body's okay. But the mental part of it is, can he keep, can he keep continuing to do the fundamentals? The, the things that really, really are important to a quarterback is his footwork's going to constantly be there. Every game, every practice, or is he going to forget about it? Is he going to say, well, my arm's really good enough. Forget about my feet. I Hopefully he's got that part mentally down that, you know what? Everything works together. My feet work with the arm. You know, my head works with what's going on down the field. I, I Hopefully I think that's what we're seeing in the growth of this young guy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the footwork because that is something that needs to be more consistent this year. I mean, obviously everything needs to be more consistent this year for Quinn Ewers, but it felt like he was making too many off-platform throws. It felt sure. like his mechanics weren't as pure as they needed to be every time he dropped back to pass. And the footwork was a little bit off when you look at him compared to a number of other quarterbacks in college football. Now, he does have the ability to make those off-platform throws, he which does. is great. And if he's got to scramble and make some plays on the run, then I'm fine with that. But yeah, in the pocket when he does have time, just making sure the mechanics are pure and, like you said, consistent and they're the same every single time, I think that's going to go a long way into helping Quinn Ewers out. And the mental thing, like he obviously has to get better physically. And some of the mechanics will help with that. But, like, the arm the arm talent's good enough right now to oh, be one of the best quarterbacks is. in the country, right? Like, that's why this guy was one of the highest-rated recruits in the history of recruits. The arm talent is there. It's up here. Like, that oh, has to get sure. better. And, and he's got to be a better chess player, to use his metaphor. He's got to be able to read defenses a little bit better than he did at times last year. Uh, that's that's where the maturity is going to happen for Quinn Ewers. That's where he's going to take that next step. If he's just able to process defenses a little bit quicker and able to read what guys on the other side of the football are doing, then all of a sudden you'll see a guy who's you know first-team all-conference and maybe even in that All-America conversation, and then a guy that people are talking about as a first-round pick after this season. Well, one thing he has to understand is in this game now, he's got that target on his back. They're coming for him now. Yeah. They understand a year into this and, 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 and other teams that will play him, you know, in the Big 12, they know the ability that he has in that arm. They are coming from him. They knocked the crap out of him. When he got hurt last year, you know, when he came back, his world was still a little bit rocked, I believe, up top in the hit that he took. He had been hit like that in high school. I mean, that ball was gone. You know, he, he just dominated, you know, his first couple of years in high school. So he never got hit like that. He got a college hit on him last year. That probably made him think a little bit, you know, my footwork, that's all right. I got to get rid of this ball. My mechanics, no, I can't take another hit like that. You know, I think that I think that rocked him a little bit to understand why he has to get rid of the ball, where the ball has to go. If his first guy's not open, I got to go to my second and my third and get rid of this football. I can't hold, I can't afford to take hits like that because I don't care how hard he works out. He's not a big dude. I know people give me that 6'3 and all that stuff. He's not a big dude. He can't afford to take the hit that he took last year, he can't afford to do that. Plus, and he's got a fantastic offensive line. That's the thing. He's got a young line that's really, really good. And he's got to understand they're only so good. They can only hold out guys so long. Then he has to get down to his, his second and third receivers and get rid of this football and make things happen. When I say get rid of the football and, and leave out the big play, these second and third receivers are players that can catch the ball and go. I, th I believe this, uh, the kid Cook is going to be a special player. Whittington, to me, has always been a special player. And if, if they use the tight end the right way, I think this is going to help him. It's going to build his confidence. It's going to build the team's confidence. But it's going to help him with his footwork. 
he's going to understand this offensive line can protect me. But if my first guy's not open, let me look to where my second guy, there's a mismatch here somewhere that all you guys aren't good enough to cover the type of receivers that I have. So where is that mismatch? I don't need to look to it first. I need to look to what Sark says is my first read. But after my first read, my second and third read should be guys that are open. And let's get to it. Yeah, you know, going back to the point you made a couple of minutes ago, Buck, think about it. In Quinn Ewer's second career college game, he broke his collarbone, right, against Alabama. So you said it. I mean, he didn't take hits like that in high school. And boom, all of a sudden, the second game he played, the first one against a really, really good team, he breaks his collarbone. He has to miss a couple of weeks. And you talk about what happened from the first half to the second half of the season. Look, people got film on him. Like, nobody knew the type of quarterback that Quinn Ewers was when he played that first quarter against Alabama. And then, well, he misses a couple of weeks, and then Oklahoma really had no idea what he was. But I don't think it's just a random coincidence that the first half of the year for Ewers was way better than the second half of the season. I think part of it was once guys got film, once people were able to scout on Quinn Ewers' strengths and weaknesses, they realized what they could do to take away elements of his game. And uh, that that probably contributed to why he was so inconsistent. In the and I feel, I feel a lot like the way C.J. Baxter is going to be with his upright running style. Once you get that first initial real hit, now you, you can get rocked a little bit at these practices and stuff. But once you get in a game and somebody lays that face mask right in the middle of your chest because you're running a little bit high, you'll change. You'll say, okay, now this is college football. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him at, at practices. We'll talk to Jeff a little bit, Jeff Howe, about C.J. Baxter. Once he gets that initial hit in a college football game, not a football practice, because practice is practice. That's what yeah. it is. It's practice. But once you get in that real high competition in a game, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Alabama. It can be It can be Rice. Once a defender on another team sticks his face in your face or up in your chest, C.J. Baxter's game will change, I believe, too. Until then, he's just kind of cruising along like he was in high school. He's learning at a nice pace, but he had that, that stick in competition. And once you get that stick in competition, I mean, I watched, I've watched Ricky Williams do it. I watched Priest Holmes. I know the hits that changed where they became college football players. You know what I mean? Where they really became, oh, this is not high school anymore. Yeah. This, is not, this is not college practice anymore. This is a game with a guy on the other side who's trying to keep his job as a college football player. And when he hits me, there's some real, real bad intentions. Now, you get hit at practice, but you don't get hit like that, like, like you get hit in the games where it really, really matters, where the band is playing and everybody's happy, and then somebody rocks your world and knocks the living shit out of you. It's different. It's a yes. different world then. And when C.J. Baxter hits that part, and when Baxter – and that could be against Rice, and you hope it is, because you want to get that out of the way. You don't want that to come in game number four. You'd like for that to come in the first four quarters of a game where, okay, it's college football, let's go. Yep. You brought up his name earlier. Now we bring him on. A great friend of ours and a great writer over there at Horns 24-7, our man Jeff Howe, joining us now on Texas Sports Unfiltered. What's up, Jeff? What's going on, guys? Uh, can you hear, hear me? Everything good? Everything is good, Jeff. And nice. I've been, people are on me about needing a couple of load management days uh, early in this tilt. I think if we if we can get to the point where I can get my load management days early, then the people on the on the on the YouTube channel will understand when I have disappeared for a day or two. That oh, it's just load management for Look, this guy. That's all. When, when you're talking about load management, as long as we're not talking about making baked potatoes, we're oh, we can, oh, no. we can work with that. Yeah, we'll get to that too. <laughs> hey, Buck, actually in my office, uh, you know, I don't know if you can see it, but over my shoulder, 
that Ricky Williams autographed football that people see in my office. That was a birthday present from you, Buck, when we did the postgame show together as a thank you. So very I nice. That, yeah. But I keep keep that keep that around. We had a wonderful conversation at uh, the beginning of the week with Ricky, and he was, boy, he is. He's, he has grown up. He is a grown, grown man now. He's a different cat, a dad, a grandfather now, a grandpa, Grandpa Ricky. That yeah. is, that's hard to believe. It really yeah, I, is. I, I got to spend some time with him the weekend that he, uh, they did the statue unveiling. Gosh, that was about 10, 11 years ago now. And I came away from that thinking, you know, dude, this guy's got to be one of the most misunderstood guys ever. So I know people had a general perception of Ricky, but when you really sit down, and talk to him and not just about football talk to him about life oh yeah uh he's he's an interesting cat and bucky i'll say that about guys that i've talked to that were in your running back room you know i've i've done radio with wayne mcgarity i've hung out with with priest holmes uh you know you you coach some guys that are just straight up just special dudes yeah i mean special guys outside of football really really but ricky is still crazy so (laughs) i mean looking at the stars and all that stuff come on man Hey, speaking of your guys, before we get down to business, did uh, did you and Wayne McGarity ever get that tape situation? No, he did not. No, he okay. never gave me back my my videotape, one of the greatest okay. tapes of all time. So, no, he still has that. That's why I got rid of him out of the running back room. That's why he became <laughs> a fantastic wide receiver, wide receiver and played for the Dallas Cowboys at wide receiver. By the way, I helped make his career because he wasn't going to get that done as a, as a running back. We, our discussions about moving on was was perfect for him. I would hope he's converted to digital and gone away from VHS by this point. So yeah, it was on VHS, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, Chris, that, those, those are his words, not mine. Yeah, uh, Jeff Howe from Horns Twenty Four Seven joining us. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howe Two Four Seven. Jeff, you talk about special talents. Colin Simmons. We'll start there before we get to fall camp and some of the current guys on the Forty Acres right now. But a big time commitment yesterday for Texas. Colin Simmons, the number one edge rusher in the country, according to the 24-7 composite rankings, the number one player in the state, according to those same rankings. Big-time win for Steve Sarkeesian against the likes of LSU and Miami. Yeah, I mean, you look at what he brings to the table, BK. I know you guys were talking about it yesterday. I mean, you can pop on the tape and see what he brings to the table. He's 6'3", 225. Uh, just a rare, a really rare ability to convert speed to power. Uh, you know, his ball get-off is elite. Uh, you know, the staff recruited him with the idea that he'll start out at the buck end position. That's that spot that Ethan Burke is holding down right now. Uh, Jamon Tapp getting some work there. That's where Colton Vosick's working. Uh, you know, if you think about the guys that, that PK has had at that buck end position, the two guys that really stand out, and he's had some good players there. Demarcus Lawrence played that position for him at Boise. Uh, and then Joe Tryon was a first round pick out of Washington by Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. So you're looking, you're looking for a guy in that 250, 250 pound area, you know, six three, six four, really twitchy, can bend the edge and get after the quarterback. That's what they want to recruit Colin Simmons as. But you know, again, in the recruiting pitch, the staff kind of told him, look, you might end up playing that that jack linebacker position depending on where his body goes. So he could be a 260, 265 pound guy. Who knows? But yeah, I I was trying to think about it. And in Texas, you know, even in the lean years, you know, they haven't had a problem producing NFL caliber edge guys, but uh they haven't had a guy get on campus this ready to play right out of the gate since Jackson Jeffcoat. And you think about Jackson Jeffcoat got snaps as a true freshman. You know, Alex Okafor was still in that room. Sam Macho was still in that room. Keenan Robinson was playing some some buck end at the time for Will Muschamp. So uh, Jeffcoat got in at a really deep rotation. I think the same thing is going to be true with, with Colin Simmons. He's a guy that's going to be really hard to keep off the field. And a guy that 
when you look at this roster, building it for the SEC, BK, this was really the last piece they were missing. You know, I, I know you you studied the NFL draft pretty intensively. I, I, for really going back and doing some deep dives around the draft, looking at, at Bijan and kind of where the running backs were, I got hung up on premium positions, the quarterback, offensive tackles, wide receivers, corners, and edge guys. And then just looking at like the last time, like when's the last time Texas had first round guys at premium positions? A quarterback, it was 2006 with Vince Young. Offensive tackle was 2002 with Mike Williams. Corner, Texas hasn't had a first round corner since Aaron Ross in 07. Uh, you know, wide receiver, you're talking about Roy Williams in 2004. And then Brian, yeah. Arak- Brian Arakpo in, in 09 was the last first round edge guy you had. So, uh, you take all that into consideration. I, I think the fact that you look at those other positions and whether it's Quinn Ewers, Kelvin Banks, you know, Xavier Worthy, Jonte Cook, Terrence Brooks, Sark has recruited guys that fit that mold of first round caliber guys at premium positions. This is the one that they haven't had just in terms of an instant impact guy that you see a legitimate first round ceiling for three, four years down the road. You know, when I, when I look at Collins, when I look at his, his body type, uh, Jeff, what I see is his lower body, that hip area uh-huh. is just unbelievable. He's, he, really, he really is loose in there where he can really maneuver himself around bigger guys outside. But because up top, I expect for him in high school, he dominates guys. He hadn't even been, you know, inundated in what it's like to be really into that weight room and stuff. He's just got that natural strength that he's going to be a high school kid. He's going to beat him badly with his upper body strength. But what's yeah. really natural is his lower body kind of, you know, maneuverability. His flexibility down below is incredible and in how he can angle himself. Yeah, it, it's interesting, Buck, when you think about it. I think when a lot of people think about strength in high school guys, I think, okay, how much does a guy bench? But, you know, you think back, Buck, you recruit an offensive lineman. Like how many really good offensive tackles and edge guys, you know, were really good shot put throwers in high mm-hmm. school. They're really good discus throwers. That gives you an idea of what kind of hip torque he's got. And the flexibility explosion in that hip, in your hips and in your core. Uh, core core explosion something I don't really know a whole lot about. But, uh, you know, you see it. Like Brian Robinson's a perfect example, right? Brian Robinson was a, a Big, yeah. 12, Big 12 shot put champion. Played, what, 12, 13 years in the NFL. So, uh, you know, yeah, hip flexibility is really important. I think that's where some of that, that natural strength that Colin Simmons has is not so much from just getting bulked up in the weight room. It's just that natural explosiveness he's got in his hips and in his core that allows him to really control guys at the line of scrimmage. Jeff, you, uh, man, I, I've heard a lot of rumors about Colin Simmons' commitment, and it just, it sort of feels like this thing really went down to the last second. And he kind of said it yesterday. He's like, I made my decision this morning. Uh, was it like that? Did Colin Simmons give any of the coaching staffs any inclination about what his decision was going to be? Or did Sark? And Brian Kelly and Mario Cristobal all find out at the same time we did yesterday. It, it's not 100% confirmed. You know, my guy Mike Roach was at Duncanville yesterday, and Mike's as close to this recruitment as anybody, and he's still not 100% sure which staff knew what and who was told. But he's come to the conclusion, he said, it's most likely that those coaches found out where he was going when the rest of us did. I know he was still talking to, as of, what would that have been, Wednesday night, was still talking to the Miami staff, still talking to the LSU staff. Obviously, talking to the Texas staff and Bucky, I caught some of what you were saying this morning about Sark. At the end of the day, you know, for he and his mom, Sark's involvement in this recruitment was one of the things that really put it over the top. And I think that speaks a lot of Sark. You know, head coaches, I've seen head coaches at Texas handle recruiting different. You know, some guys want to be involved, don't mind getting involved. Some guys just want to hang back and let the assistants do it and then come in at the end and be the closer. Sark wants to be involved with whether you're an elite guy or not, he wants to be involved from start to finish. 
Uh, you know, he'll, he'll tell you, like, he doesn't want, you know, a GA or somebody in the office, so recruiting assistant, sending like a form text to recruits. Like, he wants to be the guy up at six, seven o'clock in the morning and texting recruits and, and making sure that they know it's coming from him. And uh, he just likes getting, getting, you know, doing that dirty work in recruitment like he was when he was an assistant coach. I think once you become a head coach, you've got to try to find little things here and there that, uh, you know, take you back to your roots as an assistant and kind of why you love getting into coaching in the first place. I think for Sarge, that, that that's recruiting. He, he wants to dive head first into it. And this is one of those recruitments, like a couple that they've had now that his, his involvement in it, his persistence in it, his effort, uh, and just the the genu- the genuineness, the, the, just him being genuine, I think that really helped Texas at the end with Colin Simmons. But no, you're you're right, BK. It was so close, and I think the fact that it was close, you, you're going to have to. This is in what I would call an ink is dry recruitment. You got to recruit this guy until the ink is dry, like he's uncommitted. Because I guarantee you, Brian Brian Kelly. Now they've got it in with you know getting Caden Durham, the Duncanville running back yesterday. Uh, you know, Miami's not going to stop. So, and all those other schools that were in on him, they're not going to stop either. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to recruit, have to recruit Colin Simmons like he's still on the market. But as long as Sark stays involved and, and that involvement is still there, which I have no reason to believe it won't, uh, I, I think Texas will, Texas is a really good shot to hold on to him. And, dude, some, some, some kids just like to be recruited until the very end. They want to know yeah. just how much you care about them till, up until the very end, until it's time to put your name on the dotted line. They don't, they don't want to know for one second that you've lost interest for a day, 24 hours. That's just the way they, that's just the way they roll. They're, they're, they're going to want, they're going to want you to recruit them to the end. Some kids are like, well, I told you I'm, I'm coming. Everything's good. I know you already splashed everything on me. I don't need it. I don't, I don't need any more aftershave. I'm good. But the, some kids are just like, uh-uh, don't stop. Or somebody else is going to kind of smooth right in there. Bucky, don't don't you? I, I bet you wish probably things were kind of like they were back in your day. You know, you didn't have so many ways to get to kids. Like, like you go old school, like Randy Rogers telling Leonard Davis, "Hey, look, take the phone off the receiver and just put it in the oh, yeah. put it in the dresser drawer and, and don't answer the phone tonight." You know, go back to the the way stuff used to be. But no, I think when you've got a coach like Sark that under understands how to communicate to kids, and look, man, you know, you can say what you want about 17, 18 year old kids. They're exposed to so much now you know, with, with technology and social media, they're not stupid. And they know when you're being genuine and when you're sure. you know, blowing, when you're just, you know, you're full of hot air. And I think a lot of, a lot of the recruits that you talk to, especially the ones that end up coming to Texas, even some of the guys that don't, they'll tell you, man, Sark usually does the best job recruiting them of any, any head coach that's involved in the recruitment. Yeah. All right. On to, uh, on to the current team, Jeff, Jeff Howhorn's 24 seven joining us here on Texas sports unfiltered for the first time, but hopefully not the last time. Uh, On to the current Texas Longhorns roster. We'll start with the quarterback. Bucky and I were just talking about Quinn Ewers before you hopped on. Uh, We can obviously get to some of the other position battles and some of your other big storylines that you've been keeping an eye on during fall camp, but everyone wants to talk quarterback all of the time. What have you seen from Quinn Ewers in fall camp that makes you feel like this year can be a big step up for him versus what we saw in 2022? Yeah, we've got a chance to, to get a couple open windows to practice for me, it's just the confidence that he's carrying with it, that he's walking with, the way he's carrying himself, just that comfort level that he's got right now. You know, I, I think, you know, you can, you know, BK, we've learned the hard way not to put too much stock into bowl games and what they mean. Yeah. But I think you look at the way he finished that bowl game, uh, and then I think that was a really positive note for him to end what was obviously an up-and-down year for him. And I think that confidence combined with the fact that I think a lot of people close to him told him, look, if you want to hit your ceiling, if you want to be a guy that's 
leading this program to championships, gets in that position, gets in, in a Heisman conversation, gets yourself in a position to be a first-round draft pick, you're going to have to start taking this thing a lot more serious and putting in a lot more work. And I really do think Quinn's taking that to heart, whether it's been, you know, the nutrition, whether it's been the film study, whether it's been getting an extra work with his guys after practice, whether it's been stepping up as a vocal leader. And I think, you know, Bucky, you as a coach know this, man, you're vocal leaders. It's, it's really hard to be a vocal leader when you're not a guy that's putting forth 100% effort and leading the way. And I think the best story I heard about Quinn in the offseason was just toward the end of summer conditioning. You know, they were running, I think it was gassers, they were running, and Tory Beckham had him do 10. And everybody after the 10th one, everybody's done. And Quinn steps up and says, hey, uh, you know, coach, we've got 12 games this year. How about two more? And nobody complained. Everybody just got back on the line and ran. I'm like, that's – I know that might sound a little rah-rah, but that's the kind of stuff you want to see from your quarterback. Uh, and we know he's got the goods to play at a high level. Uh, I've never been concerned about that with Quinn. It's always been, you know, the other stuff. Can he put in the film study? Is he willing to do the little things that the really good ones around here have done to be great? And, and I feel like he has. And uh, I think he's got a really good chance to start to trend toward that ceiling that I think we all think he's got. Well, he has to have the ability for people to follow him. They can't be like, yeah, maybe this time. I know. I, I don't know if I really want to follow him. He's not quite there. It sounds like he's getting to the point where they're going to follow him, but they'll understand there are going to be some, there are going to be some down times, but they trust in him enough that he's going to bring them to the top, which is that because it's not always rosy for, for the quarterback, you know, he'll have his downtime, but it, it sounds like he's starting to build that camaraderie where those guys will have enough faith in him that he'll bounce right back. If he throws an interception, he'll be bounced right back and throw three touchdown passes or he'll make the right decision and the right call to get us a first down. Those are the, the little things that build up for a quarterback that everybody starts to trust. Let me ask you about C.J. Baxter and, and his his ability. We, we were talking about him and not taking that. There'll be that time where he'll take that mass, that hit, because it's going to come. And, you know, he'll get him in practice, but in the game, that's when you really know it's big-time football. And I said it could come against Rice. It could come against Alabama. You want it to come early. You don't want it to come late. But I, when I when I watched him in the spring, Jeff, he just looked like a a tall, upright kid that still was getting away with what he got away with in high school because he never had to take those hits. He was always bigger than everybody else. He's a big, strong, physical kid that it's not a 5'9", you know, 160-pound running back. He's always been a kind of a big kid. But how's how is he? How's everything going with him? Do you see him getting to that point, game two or three or four? I mean, to me, I mean, he's was the number one running back in the country, which means it shouldn't get to game six before he really starts to feel his way around college football as that running back. Should be probably the first two games, I would think. Yeah, I think he's in – and you haven't coached that position, Bucky. You know this. That, that to me, is the one position where a true freshman is more ready to step in and play sure. than any other position on the field because at some point it's just, look, get the ball and, and – your natural instincts just kind of take over. And the guys that are just really good natural runners of the football can do that. As far as the physicality goes, you know, the fact that he has played some DB, he's got a safety background. I mean, talking you know, to people that scouted him in the Orlando area, that's kind of the position that everybody thought he was going to play coming up was, was he was going to be a safety. So and the physicality part, the fact that he doesn't mind playing a contact, uh, that part doesn't concern me. We've seen, you know, whether even the really good running backs around here, like, you know, a Malcolm Brown and Deontay Foreman, you go back, even Bijan, you, know, you go back early in their career, you can find that moment where they got thumped for the first time. Oh, yeah. And got that real for, I mean, for Bijan, it was that, you know, when he got scorpioned and uh, trying to hurdle a guy in Lubbock, which I still don't know how he 
got through. I don't either. Yeah, BK, that was like it's Ugh. it's like look, you're fine. It's it's kind of like the scene in Major League where you know Willie Mays Hayes is coming off. He's like, great catch, Hayes. Never effing do it again. Like, just, <laughs> thank good, thank goodness you're all right. Just don't do it again. But now he'll he'll get it taken care of. But I think the the plan and and what the staff hopes for at least early is he and Jonathan Brooks are going to be a really good one two punch. And then you'll you'll sprinkle in you know Keelan Robinson. You know Jaden Blue is is having a kind of camp where he's trying to force the staff's hand to to get him some carries. Uh, but then you'll sprinkle in you know Keelan Robinson and your other guys, and and they've got enough versatile pieces on the outside, especially with a guy like Jordan Whittington that you can put him in the backfield, motion him around. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Sark does with him if you can do a lot more things with him to get him the football in a number of different ways. But right. uh, yeah, I, I think to to your point about CJ Baxter, I think he'll be right there with Jonathan Brooks and and being a, a nice one-two punch. I think that's what the staff hopes happens this year. Yeah, Jeff, kind of want to give you the floor here. What's uh, what's a storyline, maybe a position battle, just something that's caught your eye that uh, you've been paying attention to and will continue to pay attention to throughout fall camp? Yeah, I'll give you one on each side of the ball, BK. For me, uh, on the offense, I think it's what's going to – how's it going to shake out with this interior offensive line? Uh, and then what's that going to look like? You know, Cole Hudson's working some center. I think you need somebody at the – you know, in a perfect world that can push Jake Majors, but – uh, backup center is one of those positions you never worry about it until something happens to your starting center, and then everybody's running for a program in game three. Like, oh crap, who's our backup center? Anybody got a depth chart around? Like, yeah, you don't worry about it until you need it. So, you know, if it's Cole Hudson, if it's Connor Robertson, the, the young kid from Westlake, whoever it is, uh, I think developing a backup center that you trust to come in and play. You know, Kyle Flood typically likes three guys that he trusts to snap, just so you don't get in a situation where. You end up in a worst case scenario. You end up with a guy playing center that's never snapped before. Uh, but Cole Hudson working center really intrigues me because uh, DJ Campbell's going to get some reps, whether he's starting or not. He's going to get some some significant snaps early in the season. I, I'd like to think, you know, to, after the Alabama game, whatever that looks like for those interior guys, I think you'll maybe see that thing get a little bit more solidified after week two going into that third game. So interior offensive line, how that shakes out. And then on defense, I know everybody's intrigued by, you know, the that Buck linebacker, that Ethan Berkeley in that competition, and who's going to replace DeMarvin Overshone at that weak side linebacker. Jalen Catalan's healthy, which is the best thing you can say about him right now. To me, it's, it's can Terrence Brooks win that field corner job? Because if Terrence Brooks wins that field corner job, if you're Terry Joseph and Pete, Pete Kwiatkowski, you don't have to shuffle pieces around. Like, think about it. If – if Terrence Brooks isn't good enough to be a bona fide starter, like if he's not good enough to where you say, we'll just put him in the field corner and not worry about it. Then you're like, okay, now you rotate in like a Gavin Holmes or Malik Muhammad and not that those guys aren't capable, but then you get in a situation like, okay, do we need to move Jaday Barron to corner to get the most out of that position? So then now you're taking away from the star position. Okay. Who's our next best nickel. Is it Gavin Holmes? Is it Austin Jordan? Is it Jalen Gilbo? So I just think your secondary has a much higher ceiling if Terrence Brooks, a six foot cor- six foot two hundred pound corner with potentially elite man coverage skills, if he can be your field side corner, the bookend it with Ryan Watts on the boundary, you can have one of, if not the best cornerback tandem in the Big Twelve with those two guys. And, and if not, then I think you're just gonna kind of be robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to say, it, it, on the back end, you know, trying to figure out what works best in terms of personnel. So the interior line, and then. Uh, Terrence Brooks winning that field corner job for me are the two the two things I'll really be looking. Those are the two things that have caught my eye. That's what I want to hear about coming out of the scrimmage tomorrow. Now, pressure wise, I mean, Collins is not here. He's not on going to be on the field here. Pressure wise, can this team 
pressure any of the quarterbacks, any of the quarterbacks in the Big 12. I, uh, the, I, we all worry about that. We've been worrying about that for years. Or, I mean, can they, can they, first of all, can they hold the perimeter? Because there have been teams that just say, oh, it's third and six. Let's just run outside. We'll get outside and get our six yards. We'll get a first down. We only have to throw the ball. We'll run the ball around the perimeter because they won't be able to hold the fort there. Can this group, do you feel good about them holding the perimeter, first of all? Not, not, I'm not worried about pass rush. I'm yeah, worried about uh, teams running against you. I think you go back to 2021. Uh, I think my high school defense in 2001 in Florence, Texas, America, was better at holding the edge than the 2021 Texas defense. I mean, that was that was some of the worst edge play I've ever seen. And, you know, you, you appreciate the, those guys' efforts, but yeah, teams – I'm trying to think because I, I, I crunched the numbers. I think runs that hit from the C gap and out, teams were averaging about seven yards of carry against Texas in 2021. I mean, it was it was just atrocious. And they got much better last year. Yes. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that, I think you look at it this year, I think with with the emergence of Baron Sorrell and the body types and now some of the experience that you've got. You know, Jeray Bledsoe, Bucky, he's a really intriguing guy. You know, you talk to guys in the program, and he might be the best athlete in that edge room. Uh, what are you going to do with him? Can you kick him inside on certain downs? You know, can he be, you know, more of an every down player? And depending on if you're, maybe you're playing a team that runs heavier personnel, like a K state, maybe, maybe like in Alabama, uh, you know, I keep hearing Alabama's going to get the tight ends more involved. And uh, with Tommy Reese calling the plays, maybe play a little bit more uh, throwback football, you know, with Mike Bloomgren and Rice, you're going to see, you know, 22 personnel and sure. you know, full house backfields and, and things that Mike Bloomgren likes to run. So maybe you'll see Jeray Bledsoe against some heavier offenses, but I feel confident in this team being able to hold the edge. I think just because with PK scheme, I think this defense just the players just understand things like gap integrity and run fits a lot better than they did two years ago. So holding the edge, I don't, I don't worry about that near as much as I did two years ago where it was, it was a week to week proposition, just wondering what you were going to get. Jeff, we don't want to pigeonhole you into only Longhorn conversation. I know you're a big sports fan, and I know you're a big Dallas Mavericks fan. Uh, early reports out there are that the uh, the Mavs will be playing Victor Webanyama in the San Antonio Spurs to open up the uh, NBA season this year. I know you like the Mavs. I also know how you feel about the Spurs. Yeah. What do you make of Luka v. Wemby game one this year? Oh yeah, my my anus just bleeds for the Spurs fans that got a whole like three years of of the doldrums. Like, come on, like you're like you're like Packers fans with quarterbacks, right? Like, I don't want to hear bitching about Jordan Love. Like, dude, you had 30 years of Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Like, come on, like you you didn't have Ryan Leaf and you know Anthony Wright starting games for you in the right. middle. So just give me a break. But um, no, you know. I, I thought you were going to talk about the the goat Dirk and his Hall of Fame induction. I thought that's where you were going as far as Mavs talk, but you know, uh, yeah, like I said, I just I just bleed for Spurs fans that have had to put up with a couple of years of, of anguish. But no, I think the Mavs BK, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a fun. That's always a fun little matchup them playing the Spurs. But uh, you know, you look at some of the moves they made, bringing Kyrie back. Now you get a full season of the Kyrie Irving experience, which. And I talk about a week-to-week proposition. That's an hour-to-hour proposition when you're talking about <laughs> Kyrie Irving in your locker room. So looking forward to another season of Mavs basketball. Hopefully the Valley situation gets rectified so I can actually, you know, watch more Mavs games this year other than the national games. But, uh, no, definitely – I definitely enjoyed uh, poking the bear when it comes to Spurs fans and especially, you know, my take – my hill that I'll die on, Kevin Garnett's a better power forward all-time than Tim Duncan. I would put him ahead – I may even put Dirk. I'll put Dirk ahead of uh, Tim Duncan on a on a power forward, uh, 
power forward what, ratings pyramid or I forgot what. Oh, I think it was Bill Simmons had the Hall of Fame pyramid. Yeah, I put Dirk ahead of Tim Duncan. So I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to the angry feedback from Spurs fans. You guys yep. are going to get in the in the comments here in a minute. You already got one. Go Spurs, uh, go. There we go. From, there uh, go. From Anthony Spurs right there. Go. How about um, no Spurs, no? That's that's how I roll. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, Jeff, uh, before we let you go, man, we uh, look. I, I'm a subscriber at Horns 24/7. I check out the content you guys are posting all of the time. You had a great conversation with uh, an Alabama beat writer the other day, kind of giving the preview of what to expect when Texas goes to Tuscaloosa. But just the chance to promote Horns 24/7 and everything you guys have going on as we get closer to the start of the season. Yeah, uh, we've got the Longhorn Blitz podcast, which uh, we've been doing that for over a decade now. So that's up and running. You know, our podcast feed we're We've had some staff changes uh, this summer, so we're getting some things worked out. And, and our staff, man, I, you know, we lose good people. We keep hiring good people, man. You had uh, Hank South and Jordan Scruggs covering recruiting. Eric Henry, I think, is going to do a really good job as a beat writer in this market. So all those guys have contributions right now. We're talking about things you're, you've, lo- you've seen in camp, things you're looking for in the scrimmage. Uh, we actually have a staff roundtable posted this morning. Every staff member gives something that they're looking forward to seeing or hearing about coming out of the scrimmage, so you can go check that out. Yesterday was the 30-day uh, mark until the Alabama game, so myself, Eric, and uh, Chip Brown all had content pieces out, kind of early, early preview of the Alabama game, plenty of Colin Simmons stuff, uh, and, and we'll keep you updated you know, throughout the weekend. I've got some basketball content coming pretty soon. Had a you know a half-hour sit-down with Rodney Terry recently. As a matter of fact, BK – could be a big day for RT. Uh, Cam Scott, shooting guard out of the state of South Carolina, makes his decision around one o'clock today. So that could be a really big deal for for Texas getting Cam Scott. I know talking to some people inside the program, they felt like had had the Chris Beard situation not happened, he Cam Scott would probably already be committed by now. Uh, but they've done a really good job of keeping themselves in the race. So we'll we'll get you everything you need to know on the Cam Scott announcement. Uh, and just I, I, I don't know if I've ever had more fun being around a staff than I have right now with the group we've got at Horns 24-7. Just a really good group of people, hard workers, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a really, really good football season. Getting, you know, I, I was Bucky, we were talking about this. It's, it's the time where you know, you're working the kinks out and making sure you, you've got your S together by, by July 1, 2024, yeah. when, when the conference change officially goes down. Well, we're, we're, we're getting the kinks out this week because my load management, you know, as of oh. next week is going to come into play. Because once hey. once that, once I get rolling, once I get in about seven days in a row, woo, man, yeah, I'm, are, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to BK telling us that you know Bucky's taking like three days of vacation randomly during the week, and oh, yeah, I mean, I, he, already, he already missed the first two days. I yeah. should have fired him on day one. Who doesn't show up to their first day of work and keeps their job? Now he's talking about load management already. The first day, Bucky, you don't need load. You, you don't need load management. You got one of those nice chairs from Relax the Back. Yeah, I do. I'm sitting yeah. in it right now, Jeff. It is absolutely fabulous. It really, really is. Hey, listen, what, tell me your expectations of, of this scrimmage. Where, what do you, what are, are we going to go goal line? Are there, a little bit of everything? Yeah, Sark, Sark typically does that. You know, they'll run through some uh, situational type stuff. That's how Sark likes to do his scrimmages. But I think we can all agree with this. Considering you go back to last year, that first scrimmage was when you lost Isaiah Nayer and Junior Angulau for the year. As long as we're not hearing about any injuries. Come Saturday afternoon, yeah. Sunday morning, then I think we'll all we'll all just take take whatever comes out of that and and be happy with it. Hey, hey speaking of uh, our former place of employment, Bucky, I know you uh, probably left some some nice relaxed the back chairs there. You don't have to worry about your chairs getting broken anymore. So so there's that. You got that going for True. you. And, and B, BK, when are we getting the thirty for thirty on Deucegate? Oh, 
Wow. Soon. Yeah. Hopefully we got to, we got to work on that at some yeah. point. Deuce, Ga- Deuce Gate needs its own 30 for 30. Absolutely, wow. man. Yeah, I forgot about that shit. Oh, literally that, and figuratively. Yeah, that, that let me know that, man, Bucky in his old age, the, the sniffer doesn't work as, as well as it used to. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, what a time. Yeah, I, I left a chair there, Jeff. I left one there. It had one arm. It was a one-arm chair. Yeah. One, of the, one of those fishermen on a Sunday must have taken it off and used it for a weight or something. How did you not smell a dog turd for four hours of live radio, Buck? <laughs> It was a. It must have been a little dog because it was all hard and like Tootsie Rolls in the corner. And I was over there working out with my face. Yeah, Bucky's on the ground like doing his ab roller and whatnot. And there's a there's a deuce sitting in the corner. Big old meat shut dog just staring at him the whole time. Good thing about this deal is I don't have to have seventy five dogs around me (laughs) at my house. All my dogs are outside right now. They're not up underneath the places where I where I sit. And where I live, I, I'm not surrounded by dogs where I work right now. You know, and that's all right for dog day or bring a kid or bring a, a, a hobo or, or a homeless person to work. I've done that before and you can't count on them because they didn't show up. A homeless person didn't show up. I was very upset about that. But I don't have to bring a dog to work every day. I mean, some people have allergies and things like that. But where I was before, nobody kind of cared about that. So because it's all right now. You guys going to make it a bit, bring a person experiencing homelessness to work day? Oh, is that what they call it now? That's bring what you got to say, Buck. You, it's, it's, you're experiencing homelessness. Oh, that's, that's that the correct way to do it. Yeah. It's not a homeless person. Yeah, it's, you're experiencing homelessness. Well, what people have to understand, when I say the word hobo, hobo, remember, hobos worked. Hobos would jump on a train to go and find the next job. A hobo is not like a freeloader like some of these people we see on the streets. A hobo is a guy or a gal who will jump chain to train and look for a job in, in cities. Hobos aren't bad people. Doesn't a doesn't worker? They don't stick with that dog. Uh, they hit that little yeah. stick. You know, is Trey, is Trey still calling his uh, fantasy football team? He's still rolling with the Tent City Hobos. Oh yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeff, you are the man. We really appreciate you, brother. Thank you for jumping on with us this morning. And uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we get to see you on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Uh, I can tell you it won't be. So definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to the next time, whenever it is. Thanks, guys. Thank you, brother. There he goes, the great Jeff Howe of Horns 24-7. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howe 247. And, yes, subscribe to Horns 24-7 if you haven't done so yet. They're always pumping out great Longhorn content. 24-7, 365. And make sure you subscribe to this channel as well. Turn the notifications on so you always are informed whenever we're releasing new content. Yeah, Jeff Howe, you know, like he said, not the last time he's going to be a part of Texas sports. We we need to have him a part of what we do. He's He is – you're talking about the ins and outs of Texas football and college football. That's the the guy right there. He knows his stuff. He, he doesn't does. need load management. He's working. He's a hard worker. Yes, you know he saying? is. Unlike unlike somebody I know. Yeah. Hey, a guy who is a hard worker. Your buddy Shelby over there at Send Text Tickets. If you need Texas, uh, if you need tickets to any of the Texas games this season, head over to SendTextTickets.com. They've got you covered with tickets that are 100% guaranteed. Yeah, you don't have to worry about scammers. You don't have to worry about trying to scalp tickets from the homeless hobos, whatever the hell you want to call them, outside of DKR. Now, you can get legit tickets from the comfort of your own home right there on SentexTickets.com. And, of course, it's not just the Longhorns. They've got Aggie tickets. They've got Texas Tech tickets. They've got NFL games, MLB, NBA, every sport all year round. You can get your tickets there 
from SyntexTickets.com. They are always going to take care of you. Those F1 tickets, you got to get. Remember, October is just around the corner. F1 with the Killers coming and the Killers and Queen. Now, the Killers and Queen? Yeah. Coming wow, to I hadn't F1. even seen that. That's a pretty solid lineup right there. Yes, they will be there. And you got to get those tickets and start getting them soon for okay. sure. Syntex tickets got them all. They do. They do indeed. And one more shout out to our friends over at Woods Comfort Systems. They are celebrating 60 years of providing top quality plumbing and HVAC services all over Central Texas. They are dedicated to keeping you comfortable in every season. So if something's wrong with the AC at home, stop sweating at your own place. Get it taken care of. Woods Comfort Systems, great people. They will come to your place and hook you up. If you're moving, if you're building a new house, you need a new AC unit, they've got you with that as well. And once again, they also offer plumbing services too. Check them out online, woodscomfortsystems.com, or give them a call, 512-842-5066. Woods Comfort Systems, where comfort is our middle name. BK, I think right now as we go to the St. Jude's Classic, and you know this is the this is the battle for the big money in the PGA, the FedEx Cup. It looks like Jordan Spieth was at the, on top of the leaderboard at uh, minus seven earlier this morning. I don't know if he's gone out yet, but you know Tom Kim right there. There's some there's some there's some battles going on. There really really is. This would be fantastic to see if Jordan Spieth can finish this deal. I know it's early. I, I know he led on Thursday. It's early on Friday. Oh boy, what a boost this would be for him. I mean, yep. as he's as he's really he's struggled this year. You know, last year he was okay. This year he's really struggled. This would be fantastic for him uh to, to get pumped up and get this St. Jude's classic. Yes, it would. And trying to get Jordan Spieth back on track. He's he's oh, yeah. been in the mix at some tournaments this year, but uh yeah, unfortunately we haven't seen the consistency that we got used to seeing in Spieth's first couple of years on the PGA tour. But you're right, he still does have the lead today. He tees off at 10.51, nice. a one-stroke lead, seven under yesterday, a one-stroke lead over Tom Kim. You've got Colin Morikawa in the mix. You've got Xander Shoffley in the mix. So uh, your favorite city and your favorite bowl trip, Memphis. That's Memphis. where they're, uh, they're playing this thing right now. But this will be a great start. Did you see last week, the end of the tournament, Justin Thomas? He needed, he needed to shoot, I think it was a 68. Uh, to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs because he's had a terrible run. I mean, he's oh my been goodness. awful over the last couple of months. And on 18, he needed a birdie on 18. His tee shot wasn't great. His second shot didn't reach the green. So he had a chip from about, you know, 20 yards away, and it actually hit the pin. Like oh, he needed I saw that bang it. off, yeah. Yeah, he needed to make it to qualify for the playoffs, and he could not have been closer, and he fell to the ground in agony after it didn't go in. That would have been one of the clutches shots maybe in the history of golf yeah i i mean he has really really struggled i mean this is a guy with great game but man this year the last two years really he's really really struggled in some of the i mean the majors he's missed majors you don't get a chance to see him play but it's this this group that they have right now i mean Scheffler is there today john rom is there rory's there i mean this is this is for the big cash this is for the like what is it, like fifteen million dollars? That purse keeps going up in the FedEx Cup every year. I mean, it could be like fifteen million to the winner right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Hey, speaking of a lot of money and golf, did you see Phil Mickelson and the stories about his gambling? Is he having some problems? He's not. He's he's not. He doesn't have a cousin. He's doing it himself now. 
Well, this is from back in the day, but his former gambling partner, Billy Walters, just wrote a new book. Uh-oh. And in, in this book, he chronicles some of his betting experiences with Lefty. And there's some crazy shit in here, dude. Apparently, Phil Mickelson from 2010 to 2014 placed at least $1 billion, with a B, dollars on bets. And he lost over $100 million during that five-year run in other words you don't win where the it's the cousin generally doesn't win is that how that goes his cousin wasn't winning very much and how about some of these more details from uh from the wagers yeah trey and i talked about this yesterday but i figured you'd get a kick out of this one too uh he made 1115 bets of one hundred and ten thousand dollars. he made 858 bets of two hundred and twenty thousand dollars in one year alone, he placed 3,154 bets total. And on one day, he bet 43 bets, or he placed 43 bets on one day of Major League Baseball games. Are you kidding me? So not only was he picking a team to win, he was betting the totals. He was doing the nerfies, the no-run first inning. What in the hell? First five innings. Dude, this guy, and he's openly talked about his addiction to gambling in the past, but this shit is on another level. Wow, make stupid bets, get stupid results. That's exactly what's going to happen if you bet like that. That's crazy. And how about this? This is the one that ruffled the most feathers, right? I mean, all, all of those numbers are pretty crazy, like you said. But apparently, the 2012 Ryder Cup, Bill Mickelson was a part of the U.S. team. He tried to bet $400,000 on the U.S. in that Ryder Cup, and the U.S. actually blew it. That was the one we were up 10-6 to going into Sunday and just completely collapsed. Uh, I think that was here in the States, too. Yeah, he tried to bet. His betting partner said, hell no, I'm not placing that bet for you, but he thinks there's a chance that Mickelson ended up finding somebody else to place a $400,000 wager on the U.S. in that Ryder Cup, which we eventually choked away. My goodness. I think he has a problem. I'm going to say he has a problem. Yep, yep. And uh, I think he should be playing football at Iowa State, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a problem. It it may be an addiction, but it's not a problem if you have the money. That's no problem for him. And it's it's an addiction, but it ain't a problem yet. I wonder if this is why he was so adamant about starting and joining Liv, you know? Like it, it sounds like at least he publicly talks about, and I hope it's true, right? You know this better than I sure. do. Addiction is a very, very serious disease. So I hope yep. Bill Mickelson is not out there gambling at all anymore. But I wonder if uh, part of the reason why he joined Liv was to maybe pay off some debts that uh, he had from his past. And obviously, we know the money that's been coming into Liv Golf since that thing's inception. Maybe part of the reason why Lefty wanted to be such a big part of that was he needed that cash, dude. Or they just paid up all his debts. They just yeah. said, we'll pay them all off for you. Because we know you have some there, Lefty. Yeah. You've got a few out there that we know about. Oh. That's And that's a shame. What a waste. That is – that's that's kind of crazy. And the Iowa State thing is going to – once again, here we go. I told you the coaches will be talking about hazing. Well, they'll be talking about gambling now. Uh-huh. That's, that's the next thing that they have to talk about. Do we have to? They're like this. Do we have? Can we talk about football in these meetings, guys? Can we talk about basketball? Do we have to talk about hazing? And do we have to talk about gambling too? I thought that stuff was all in the past. Now it's making it's here. It comes again, oh, making yeah. its making its rounds once again. 
Yep. Gambling is bigger than it's ever been. And, and oh, yeah. we've got to we've got to buck off to give out on a Friday if if we're allowed to do this. Sure. I think we've got maybe the dumbest college athlete in the history of college athletes. He's an Iowa State football player, uh, defensive tackle by the name of Isaiah Lee. So everybody knows at this point, like there have been a bunch of Iowa and Iowa State football players who have been accused of betting on various sporting events while they were at their universities, right? Some college football games, sometimes other sports. And it's not just football players who are getting popped with these allegations. It's student athletes all over campus at both Iowa and Iowa State. This guy, Isaiah Lee, bet against his own team in 2021 playing Texas. That's why he's a dumbass. He bet on Texas Longhorn football. And you know, I to know win, really? that doesn't work. The last time I ever bet, my cousin ever bet on a Longhorn football game was Cliff Kingsbury's last game as the Texas Tech head coach. That game in Austin on Black Friday when everybody knew Kingsbury was going to get fired, or at least they thought he was going to get fired. And Texas was playing really good football. Texas was only like a six-point favorite, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now nah, this this is going to be an easy win, and then Cliff Kingsbury's going to lose his job. But no, some dude by the name of McLean Carter and Nick Shimanek, those two jabronis came into Austin and beat us. <laughs> and I swore off, and I made sure my cousin swore off betting on Texas football ever again, and I haven't touched it since. You haven't gone back to making one bet on Texas football. Can't do it, man. They Don't let me do down. They let me down without me losing money. I can't have them losing money on top of that. Well, we can't have you mess with it. You can't mess with the mojo this year because this group is going to the Big 12 championship this year. They're going. I'm not saying they're winning, but they're going, BK. It's uh, like I always say, eventually the talent will outweigh the coaching. It just it just does. If you keep getting talented players, and I mean, and you're just a good coach, you'll win some games. You, you just will. And right now, this group is starting to get to the point where they have, they have when if you look by the numbers, they have a very average coach. But the talent is starting to change where eventually it's just going to outweigh the coaching. Well, now, I don't, I don't want it to have to be that way, though, Buck. I, don't I, either. I, want, I want the talent and the coaching to be on the same level at a level that is very, very high. Because right. I subscribe to the belief that good players can't overcome bad coaching. So, yeah, with the talent that Texas has, yeah, they might have enough talent to win seven or eight games, even with the bad coach. But for this team to win the Big 12, for everybody's got to be the same. Exactly. For this team to feel confident about making the transition to the SEC next year, and then ultimately for this team to be hopefully making it to college football playoffs and actually having a chance to win national championships again, they need their coaching staff, especially their head coach, to be on that level too. So you're right. To this point, he hasn't proven it enough. He's never won 10 games in a season, not only at Texas, but anywhere as a head coach, like anything less than 10 wins this year will feel like an underachievement for this Texas football team. That's got to be the standard now. It usually is at Texas, but because of the talent he's been able to accumulate, right. that's got to be the expectation for this team this year. They need their coach to be on that level of talent that's on the field. You're right, BK. They, 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 it has to be that way in both aspects. The talent has to be there, and that talent has to play, but that coach has to rise to the occasion too. And I continue to say that guy is going to have to win two games somewhere in this Big 12 conference. I don't, I don't know whether it's when, when Texas Tech comes here or when they go to Baylor at the end of the season. And I hope that's when the pressure comes at the end of the season. I, I don't think they'll get it. I think there will be some ups and downs. But at the end of the season, when it really, really matters, the head coach is going to have to – and his play calling is going to have to make it happen. 
And I'm not just talking about his play calling on the offensive side. It's going to have to be able to do what he whispers in the ears of his defensive coordinator and his defensive staff. We need to make this stop now. We can't have another first down. We need to get the ball back. He's going to have to make plays himself as a coach this year. And at least in two games, I want to be able to say that Steve Sarkeesian won the football game. I will, I, I will always, I, I'm not, I never talk about, I'm not talking about coaching being really, really poor, but this is an occasion for me and number season number three with this type of talent, these type of players, that guy has to win two games because I believe that's just the way Texas football goes. Yep. It, it just has. You, you, there's years when you're the most talented team in the Big 12. You don't get it done. This time, this staff and what they've done recruiting and this staff alone, the types of people he's been bringing in. I mean, Gary Patterson has come. I mean, these type of people, Paul Crisp is here now. This group ought to be able to get into this conference and win a couple games themselves and just put the players in the right position to win the games. It has to be done this season. It yeah, really does. Yeah. And I, and as I said, I don't – there are people who are saying, no, Buck, you're wrong. They have to win the Big 12 championship. Too many things can happen in a championship game. But please, just get me there. Yep, I agree. Get me 100%. in it. Sark can outplay call anyone. This is nonsense. Now, there were a few games last year where, no, Sark lost the battle of wits when it came to the coaching matchup. The TCU game, the game out in Lubbock, I think of, the game in Stillwater. Obviously, you're one of Sark this team went five and seven so when Sark is on yeah he's one of the best play callers in the country Absolutely. You know, we talked about this earlier this week the opening script from Steve Sarkeesian last year in every game felt incredible you think of how they started against Alabama you think of how they started against Oklahoma you think of how they started in Lubbock against Texas Tech it felt like the first 15 scripted plays that Texas had always hit and that's great but it felt like as games went on the battle of adjustments was won too often by the coach on the other sidelines. Right. So that, that has to change, man. And, and good coaches find ways to win games in multiple ways. Okay. Like in a perfect world, Texas is scoring 45 points per game and the defense is allowing 20 points per game. Sure. Texas goes 12 and zero, they blow everybody out and we're all celebrating, but that's just not how it works. Like the offense is going to struggle. There's going to be a defense that takes away your running game. There's going to be a game or two where just Quinn Ewers just doesn't have it. Hopefully it's not as bad as it was at times last year, but there's going to be a game where he's off. That's just how football works. Even the best quarterbacks right. don't play well. I think a Caleb Williams against Utah in that Pac-12 championship game. The guy won the Heisman. He was historically good. He sucked at times. That's how it goes. There's going to be games where the defense can't stop a nosebleed, and Texas is going to have to score 50 points. Like the best coaches can have their teams win games in multiple ways, and if Sark's able to prove that this year, then yeah, Texas is not only going to the Big 12 championship game, but they're going to win the Big 12 title too. Well, I, I and and you're right about that. And I think this is the this is a a group of coaches in year number three. These are really really good coaches. These are fine coaches. They've been coaching a long long time. This isn't just a group that just started coaching football. They've been around football. They know how to recruit. They know the type of players that they want. I think Sark's on the money when he talks about they look like the kind of team that I expected them to look like now. They look like it physically. I, I I still don't know if they look like it mentally. That's yet to be seen. That's that's where that part comes in. And, and that's to me, is part of, of what you have to do as a coach. Mentally, you have to make these guys understand this is a key down. Hey, coach, I'm going to take this time out away from you uh, offensively. I need it for my guys on defense. You know, some offensive coaches, somebody will say, no, 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 I need that extra time out. No, you got to be able to say, okay, coach, you take this time out on defense. Okay. You know, Prakowski may need that deep defensive timeout. Take it. I mean, yeah. and then I can say, you know what? That was the timeout that won the football game. 
You decided to take one away from the offense. You took it, and they won the game. These are the kind of little things in, in the coaching part that I think we're going to have to see from Sark. And yep. although you have a defensive coordinator, Sark is the head coach. He's the master of the whole domain. He's the, he, he oversees everything. So he, as a head coach, is going to have to make decisions offensively and defensively. Yep. Uh, to, to win a couple games this year. I expect him to do two of those, and those two games that he wins are going to be the two games that put him in the championship. Yeah, and you talk about the mentality, man. That story Jeff talked about earlier with us where, you know, they were doing 10 sets of a certain drill, and then Quinn Ewers is like, no, we've got 12 games. Let's do two right. more. Let's get to 12. Like, that. that's what I like to hear. I, I don't care who steps up and does that. I think it's better when the starting quarterback steps up and does something like that because you want your starting quarterback to be For that sure. vocal leader. But, yeah, that's hopefully the mentality has changed. And all of the reports from people that I've talked to behind the scenes have indicated that. It's like this team has a different mindset. Now, I feel like we've probably heard something similar to that at times over the last 12 years, and it hasn't translated to enough success on the football field. But uh, it does feel like things are changing. And, and man, we've I've heard people say this all the time. You know, the best locker rooms are player-led locker rooms. So, yeah, obviously Sark's got to do his thing and his coaching staff. They've got to do their thing. They've got to be leaders of men. I get that. But you want to get to a point where this locker room is holding itself accountable and players are holding each other accountable because that's when we're talking about conference championships and maybe national championships here too. Well, they're they're starting it out by the way, the the type of players that they're recruiting. It just – those are recruiter, those are players that they're recruiting that everybody's going to learn to respect because they're good players. It's hard to follow somebody that's not – good at at what they do it just is i mean that natural athletic deal is you're gonna follow you're not gonna follow the third string guy you may be great at the rah-rah part of it but you're a starter who's getting things done who's doing the right things on the field off the field you're following that cat it just it just works out that way and it looks like the kind of type of kids that they're recruiting just on what they did yesterday alone is that's who you're going to follow you're going to follow that guy because when he gets on the football field he's going to make things happen it's not going to be well, he'll be okay in his sophomore or junior year. We'll see if he gets to get it. No, the minute he takes the field as a freshman, he makes different. He'll make a difference, and that's that's what you need. That's how you that's how you get good leaders, and you get followers to become leaders. With having players yep. like that, and I yep. and I think it's there. I think this this group in in year number three should be to that point. They really should. Yeah, big time get. On the recruiting trail yesterday, Colin Simmons, the five-star edge rusher from Duncanville, picking Texas over LSU and Miami and just about every other school in the country. Uh, One more shout-out to one more sponsor, our friend Brandon Mars over there at Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. They can hook you up. If you need help with any job that you have, a small project at home, a large construction job, it does not matter. Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals has all the tools that you need to get your job done and they've got all of the biggest brands too like steel hustler toro walker dewalt and more they have been austin's number one source for equipment rentals sales and supplies since 1996 yeah coming up on three decades now they've got two locations in austin one in anderson square up north the other on south first street down south check them out online topgun.net top gun we will shoot you straight okay you you can be looking forward to us doing a podcast over at top gun some morning too Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Love it. All right. I love the sound of that as well. Yeah. We're going to be out amongst you people every once in a while. Once uh, we really get this thing going. So we're excited about that. 
We're excited about some other things we have in store that we'll be able to announce next week. Definitely keep it locked into Texas Sports Unfiltered. No trade today. Kevin Dunn, a.k.a. KD, a.k.a. Kevin Dune, is going to join me from uh, 12 to 1 live right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. So keep it locked in for that. Buck, we got a couple of minutes left. Any plans this weekend? What you guys got cooking? Well, I'm going to do a rain dance out here in my yard for sure. You know, I'm, I'm definitely doing that because I we need some rain desperately here in, in this area. And, you know, now it's getting to the point where you worry about fires around because it is just so dry. And other than that, I am going to chill, watch some golf this weekend, not be stuck in some airport, but to chill out, getting prepared for you for a full week of work next week. I am I am absolutely ready. Talk to some people, but actually get, get ready for next week because we're getting closer and closer to football season, we're getting closer and closer to major league playoffs. There's a lot, a lot of stuff happening in sports now. This is that time of year. And then, you know, these, with these NFL preseason games, BK, the injury lists on these Mondays are going to be – it's going to happen. I Knock on wood, you, you hope you don't lose a bunch of people, but you know what Mondays are like in the NFL after a preseason game or just camp alone. Yep, that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah college football, these are, scrim- these are scrimmage weeks coming up, weekends coming up. So the injury list on Monday, and hopefully the University of Texas won't be a part of that injury list. But, you know, that's just football. That's how it goes. That's what happens. Yep. I'm excited for some of these NFL preseason games, man. I mean, we saw C.J. Stroud make his debut last night. A little bit underwhelming if you're a Texans fan. But the uh, number one pick in the draft, Bryce Young, makes his preseason debut tomorrow against the Jets. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, my cousin will get in on all of the preseason action. Get ready for that, okay? And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to our buddy Lee Sterling sometime. Yes. Which would be great. Yes. Get uh, get all the picks for your cousin all football season long. Very nice. You talk, you talk about this rain dance, man. What does that look like? Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> there, there's part of it right there, brother. What are you doing? You're just hugging the air. How is that? You know, I'm bringing thing? the air into. I'm bringing it from the clouds. I'm bringing it down to me. I want it come down. I don't want it to totally pour because this ground is so dry right now. It's just going to slide off, and I don't want my house sliding down this hill. But I need, I need, I need it, BK. I just need just a little bit. Word, you know word. me. I'm a, I'm a gardener. You should see what my garden looks like. Wow. Word. Yeah, no naked gardening on this. Uh, channel. There's nothing there. There's, there's there's nothing there's nothing to see. It's just burnt <laughs> leaves right now. Where did you learn that rain dance or whatever the hell that was? I was uh, at the Atlanta airport because that was the first time I've seen rain in two months. I <laughs> stood at that window making all those moves, and people behind me were just like, "Come on, dude, what is wrong with you? I'll just bring uh, it down, bring it down." Oh, I'm looking man. forward to the weekend. I'm looking forward to next week. We got a lot going on next week, as I said. I We'll find out about a little bit more about this FedEx Cup and how this is thing is starting to play out because next couple of weeks, FedEx Cup money. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. That is going to do it for Bucky and BK, and that will conclude our first week of shows on this new channel. Thank you all so much for the support. It's been really, really awesome to see. We're up over 3,600 subscribers already, which is fantastic. Please spread the word some more. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about everything we've got going on. 
And uh, thanks again to all of our sponsors for jumping on board as well. We really appreciate them and their continued support. Please like this video if you haven't yet. Please subscribe to the channel, of course, if you haven't yet. And uh, yeah, we'll get this podcast up too on Apple and Spotify in the not-too-distant future. For the great Bucky Godbolt, I am BK Brad Kellner. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. Welcome. Welcome.